Hey, Kai. Yeah. You smell that? What? What you smell? I don't... It. You, you know the smell. It's the earth smell. The smell that's made up of all other tastes and smells together. I don't. It, 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 it's sour and it's sweet and it's spicy and it's savory and and umami and it, and it's present. Do, do you know what that smell is? No. Vindication. <laughs> vindication. Good vindication. Vindication and more today on Acme Podcast Inc. Acme Podcast Inc. I'm your host, Laser J, and I'm coming at you pre-recorded from Florida's most Floridian city, Tampa Bay. And I'm your loyal co-host, Kai, coming at you live from the southern tip of Texas, where it's fucking January, and it was like 75 to 76 degrees a couple days ago. I hate living in the South. Really, I really do. I love it, but I also hate it. Both are my mm. true feelings. Yes. But anyway. So, uh, to recap, we are an option for podcasts about uh, cartoons mm-hmm. and such. Uh, we, we pick some cartoons and we watch them and then we talk about them. You know, it's a good day. So, uh, Pitter Patter, let's get at her. How was your week, Kai? Uh, weeks. But, um, yeah. Weeks, anyway, yeah. this is, um, wow, this is episode five, isn't it? Yeah. Wild. Yup. So, uh, a couple things. Uh, in terms of, um, animated stuff that, uh, Basically, there's some stuff on our list that we've both watched, but we're going to save that till after stuff that we've individually watched. But in terms of animation that I watched that was just me, I fin- I mentioned, I think I talked about it on the f- second episode when I first started watching it. Hilda? Was that the first yes. or second? Yes. It was the first or second. Yeah, it was around that. I went, I had only watched the first couple episodes since then, but I went back and I finished it. Uh, it's only 12 episodes, uh, 13, 13 rather, as of right now. But there is going to be a second season relatively soon, and there's also going to be a, a one-hour special, apparently. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, Hilda is fantastic. The animation is stellar. Uh, there are some episodes that are, like, it's it's, it's always really consistent, like, but like there are some episodes where it really, really shines, and also the voice acting is amazing. Like, I think all of the kids are voiced by actual kids, and they all do a really good job. That's always good. Yeah. Also, it's a, it's a. I think it's a UK production, so all of them aren't faking their accents. <laughs> it's like real kids with actual accents, as opposed to kids trying to do a fake British accent. Yeah, fake, yeah. Fake Scottish, Irish, or. Whatever. I think 
Welsh. Yeah. Welsh, yeah, something along those lines. It's I'm not super. I couldn't p- pinpoint exactly what type of accent. It's but, not like if us just start talking like this, is it? No. Yeah, not, not like this. Yes, yeah. What well, I did, I did. Bloody hell. Anyway, <clears throat> but it's a. It's one of those shows where how do I put it? It never made me like laugh out loud. But I was smiling a lot. It was like just a fun time. You know what I mean? Was it heartwarming? Yes. It was okay. very it was very heartwarming and it was very whimsical. And a lot of its lore and world building was really fun. Okay. There's some really like there's some fun stuff that they toy with. Like, um I I don't wanna spoil too much, but the idea that like the reason weather happens is basically weather spirits meet and then they start to argue about <laughs> what weather is supposed to happen and that's what's that's what causes storms <laughs> stuff like that yeah it's just full of like lots of weird whimsy and fun and there's not a bad like i said the voice cast is stellar there's not a bad va in that whole show and and again that's pretty cool considering most of the cast is seems to be real little kids that's that's good to hear yeah i don't know if you would like it yeah i i started watching the first episode like long before we started recording these episodes yeah and um i i don't think i i think i got through like she just she made it out of the woods the like the troll Mm-hmm. She was getting chased by the troll, and it, like, it turned back to stone or whatever. And I think that's where I sort of just like, eh, eh. Mm-hmm. I need to give it another real shot. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I can't recommend it enough, and I'm looking forward to more. Like I said, it's not really a funny show. It's more just fun, and it's also like. It's definitely a really good show for kids, for sure. That's good. Um, let's see. In terms of animation, that's you know that we both haven't watched. That's pretty much it. But outside of that, I started listening to a new podcast. Oh, which it's on. I believe it's on Stitcher. Yes, and they also and it's uh, called Godzilla versus Podcast Zero, <laughs> and you can imagine what that's about. Yeah, it's about Godzilla movies. Of course, what else would it be about? I don't. Here, they've only got twenty-ish episodes so far, so I don't know if they're gonna delve into other kaiju films. They've only talked about Toho and Godzilla films. I feel like they they gotta with Godzilla in the name, they really have to dry out the the herd of Godzilla flicks before they delve into something like Gamera or Ultraman or whatever. And to be fair, there are a lot of Godzilla movies. Yeah, it, it's there is a uh, a wealth of material there. Yeah, it is very much a. 
it has some analysis in it, but it's mostly more. It's like a, it's like a sort of a half comedy, half like analysis podcast about Godzilla films, and they do like a lot of like play by play and sort of like I, there's a lot of appreciation for the practical effects, which I'm always happy about. Uh, I've only listened to like three episodes so far, but I have enjoyed it. I listened to the episode they I I was like. I need a good gauge. I want to hear them talk about one of my favorite films. You know, it's like if and if and they don't have like sort of similar vibes and how they feel about it, I'm like, I don't know if this will be for me. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So I listened. The first one I listened to was they talked about Godzilla versus Destroya. Okay. And that one was actually really fun. And after that, I just kind of went from there. I listened to them talk about the bio. Godzilla vs. Biollante and Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. Oh, Space Godzilla is my favorite. I really like Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, but it's like... Uh, <sighs> let, let me clarify real quick. I haven't actually seen it. I just really like its design. Oh, okay, the, okay, fair. That's a really... It's a cool design. Yeah, I, I've, my favorites. I've only seen like... Two Godzilla movies. We should change that at some point. Yeah, um, it, it's on my list of things. Yeah, and fine. one of them was definitely on a Mystery Science Theater. Mm. Which is not my favorite way to watch stuff. Probably Godzilla vs. Megalon. That was No, no, it, it was Mothra. Oh, really? Yeah, because I remember watching it in school. Huh. Weird. Yeah. Uh... They did talk about one of the Mothra movies. Okay. The only things I've talked about that's like, it's still Toho, but it's not God's directly Godzilla, is they talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, they talked about the one of the Mothra films and they talked about War of the Gargantuas. Oh. Uh, they do this really fun set. The reason, I, the how I found out about it was um, I follow one Mr. Thomas Perkins on Tumblr. Okay. Uh, we're mutuals. Thomas Perkins, for those who don't know, is a character and monster designer, and he worked on, uh, he's worked on Ben Ten. He's worked on the, the he worked on the '90s Godzilla cartoon. Oh wow! He worked on Big Guy and Rusty. He worked on, uh, fuck. Uh, he's worked on a lot. He worked on a lot of those. He worked on the the animated Men in Black show. So he's worked for my favorite animation studio, then Adelaide. Yeah. Yeah, he was like, uh, he did a lot of the character and monster designs for those shows. He also did, he worked on Extreme Ghostbusters too. Oh, he's dumb. Mm, yes. Yeah, Tom Perkins is a cool guy. Uh, that, we're, that's we're, a connection you need to flourish. Yeah, he's a, he's a, uh, we're actually mutuals, funnily enough. I know you, you mentioned. No, I mean, I, I mean, I just said I followed him. I didn't say we were mutuals. No, you did say. Did I? Earlier, earlier in this conversation, yes. I don't remember. If, I don't you know sure did, but you sure well, did. Well, I've said it again just to make sure because my brain doesn't remember saying it. When I go back and edit this, I'm going to replay yeah. that portion. Oh, I'm sure you will. Just to bolt, put, me on, <laughs> put me on blast. Uh, uh, this, is, this is a sidebar, but it's funny how we became mutuals, honestly. Okay. Because I was just following him. And he has this sort of like series of things that he does on his um on his blog, where he uh he essentially paints superhero stories onto his kids' lunch bags. Oh, nice! And he 
post them on his blog, on his Tumblr, and I think on his Twitter too. But um, and at, he made one of those posts, and he accidentally put it put his kids' real name on the post. Mm. And I had reblogged it, and I was I was like the only person who had reblogged it before he deleted it. Yeah, to repost it, and he was like, "Hey, can you do me a solid? Can you delete that?" I'm like, "Yeah, of course, no problem." He was like, "Oh man, that's really cool. Thanks." Hey, do you want an art print? <laughs> <laughs> what did you get? It was one of his art. It was like a original art print. It's like an Ultraman slash uh, uh, what's the uh, slash Kakiter half monster half Ultraman kind of looking superhero guy fight uh, beating up a monster. It's pretty nice. cool. Nice. And he sent it to me a few. Like I've had it on my wall since. Uh, but anyway. I found out about that, but back to the podcast. I found out about it because I followed him on his blog, and they do this thing on the the podcast where, whenever they have a guest, they always ask the guest if you had a kaiju, what would it be? Like if you could make a kaiju. Mm-hmm. And Tom and a few other artists have drawn every single one of these original kaiju. Nice. And I, I he did a, a big compilation post. Uh, uh, like a month ago, mm-hmm. or some, or some, uh, a while back. But and, and I, I was, I saw that, and I was like, oh, what is this podcast? And then, you know, went from there. And then after I, that, mm-hmm. what would your kaiju be? Uh, my kaiju is actually my persona. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's um. He's a big uh, uh, carnosaurus type dinosaur monster mm-hmm. with big heat with the tractable spikes, and he has like bone arm blades that he can superheat with his body. Fun. Yeah. So, yeah, just a big spiky flamey boy. But anyway, All right. I think that'd be super cool. Because I'm My- like, it's fire kaiju. You know, or a yeah. thing, but I wanted something a little different. But anyway, what would yours be? Just be a big toad, but its face would be a mandrill's face instead. Thanks, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking hate it. <laughs> what, you don't like mandrills? Or you don't like toads? I don't like the two together. Oh, tough nuts. Yeah, tough nuts. I did say the word persona, so I guess I deserve it. Yeah. Fucking furry. Anyway. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me. I know. I know. I just wanted to. I know you were going to say it at some point, so I just wanted no, to. No, I wasn't. Well, I got no grounds to stand on. I'm also a furry. Just yeah. not a horny furry. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess I just jumped in front of the bus for nothing then. Yeah. Well, anyway. I, well, I guess while I'm under the bus, I'm already here. What else do you do? What else do you do? I'm camping. I'm making a house under this bus. Just come on. Come on. Yeah. Week, anyway. Week. week, week, week. Anyway, sorry. The Outside of that, I watched a film oh. with, some, with some friends. Yes. This film is called Bahubali. Oh, you were talking about this last night during D&D. So Bahu, this is a, by the way, this is a, part one of part two situation 
Of course. This is the first one. Bahubali is a Bollywood movie that is part revenge story, part more epic, and part musical. Of course. And it is a lot. <laughs> there is a scene where the main character, Bahubali, breaks into the big evil king's fortress place and he like with no explanation there's been no precedent for him to be able to do this at all his clothes burn away and he henshins into like golden armor oh for no reason for the record henshin means transform into yeah the sorry that's, yeah it's, it's like a it's I a common writer thing. Common writer, magical girl, masked writer, Super Sentai, yeah, whatever. Just, Power Rangers, just yeah, yeah. Transmorphin time. Morphin time. That sort of sequence. Yeah. No explanation as to how, why he's, why this is happening. And then halfway through the movie, we everybody like. Part way this part of this movie where like everybody's like, oh, it's it's this guy. He looks like our old king. It's like, who is this old king? Like, like we have no idea who he is. And then halfway through the movie, we have a flashback to the old king, and the rest of the movie is about the flashback. And this is a three-hour movie, by the way. Oh God Almighty! By the apparently, then the second movie, the first half of the second movie is the rest of the flashback, and the and then the second half is comes back to the original st- part of the story. So what we're actually looking at here is a six-hour movie. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Also, the, again, there's musical numbers because it's a Bollywood movie. Yep. And it's a lot. What are what's the genre? Bollywood does not care what a genre is. They do whatever the fuck they want. Well, you know, genre is bullshit to begin with. It so. is. It is bullshit to begin with. The all I was before I even watched this movie, all I was told was, "Hey, do you want to go watch a movie about a man who fucks a mountain?" And I was like, <sighs> "I guess." And that's not even an, that's not an exaggeration, by the way. And I won't. I won't give you context either. I don't want it. <laughs> oh god! Uh, it's a lot. Like uh, I, I can't. It's one of those movies that I can't explain it. You have to see it. I'll pass. <laughs> no, you must. It's it's kind of amazing and how like crazy it is. I, I feel like uh-huh. I feel like I need some entry level Bollywood stuff before I see that. Okay. It, it, it's like it's like uh. with black exploitation movies. You don't start with Dolomite. You start with like Shaft or Superfly, and you Shaft. work your way up to Dolomite. I see. Well, other than the stuff that we're gonna talk about that we both watched later. That's that's it. That's it from. Oh, I also started playing Magic: The Gathering Arena. How's that been? Uh, that's been fun. I have been really been needing to scratch that card game itch for a very long time. I feel you. 
I love a good card game, and it's free, so you know. Yeah. Why not? I um. I I I can never touch anything card related again. Mm-hmm. Because I have like serious addiction issues with like collection. Mm. I mean, I collect books, I collect video games, I collect action figures. Mm-hmm. But a lot of those things are kind of like pricey, so I limit myself somewhat. But but cards though. Cards are like five bucks. That's like nothing. And then you've and then you've opened fifty packs. Yeah. Like I remember when I was like eighteen, nineteen. Me, no, it was like closer to twenty twenty one. I was I was buying like two or three fat packs a week. Oof. Yeah, I I just it's not so much the playing the game; it's the collecting the cards. It, it's the opening up the pack, and it, it, it's I I can't stop myself once I start, mm-hmm. and it'll be. Yeah, no, because uh, I had a friend who got me into the uh, the Pokemon TCG game that's like Magic Arena. Next thing yeah. I knew, I was buying actual physical Pokemon cards so I could get packs on the 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 thing. I'm, I'm a complete and utter sucker. I'm, mm. I'm exactly the mark they want, and I can't let myself ever touch anything trading card related again. That's fair. I'm just... I'm the type this is just like something about me. I enjoy I enjoy card games and I enjoy things like card games. I'm it tickles my game design side. I I, I love listening to things like I I watch a lot of magic content but and I know how to play the, and I know a lot about playing the game but I haven't actually been able to play it with other people for a long time and then i finally just said i need to play fucking a card game i yep. have to do it i just can't <laughs> and i played hearthstone for a long time but fuck hearthstone <laughs> yeah hearthstone sucks uh hearthstone from like completely objectively speaking from a design perspective there are some things that are nice about hearthstone yeah fun fact it's actually World of Warcraft's second TCG. It is. There was a WoW TCG. I bought the starter pack for that. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to play World of Warcraft, but couldn't afford the fucking subscription fee or have a computer that could run it. Yeah. That's also why I got Magic the Gathering Arena, because it's a it this was this is this is not a super intensive game. Yeah. It just think it probably run on a fucking potato. It yeah. <laughs> like and my laptop is garbage, so you yeah. know. But uh I w- I should I wish I'd gotten in a little sooner because the last set was right up my alley. Mm. The last oh. set was fairy tale themed. Oh nice. It was called Throne of Eldraine. Yeah. And there was like every card was like a reference to a fairy tale. There was like a card that was supposed to be like the the Billy Goat's Gruff. It was like a giant troll. Yeah. And there was like a uh there was like it was like fairy tale mixed with King Arthur. 
so there was like a there was like a King Arthur character s character, and there was like a a bunch of knights that were each of of the five colors of mag of magic. Hmm. Uh, and there was um, a round table myth, like legendary artifact, and there was like a legendary sword artifact, and there was some there were fairies, and there were mermaids, and there was a gingerbread man. <laughs> okay, this is just a this is one of those things where, like where flavor meets mechanics that always just like it make just makes me go chef kiss. Yeah. So in Magic: The Gathering, there is an ability called haste. Yep, it it means you don't have your wake up sick sleepiness, whatever. Yeah, yeah. When a creature normally in a Magic: The Gathering, when you summon a creature, it has to wait a turn before it can attack. Haste um, makes it so you don't got to do that. Haste doesn't makes it so you don't got to do that. Now, the Gingerbread Man card is called Ginger Brute. It has haste. <laughs> it's a one one with haste and. You can make you can pay one mana to make it so it can't be blocked unless another creature has haste. <laughs> run, run, run as fast as you can. Yeah, you can't catch me. I'm the gingerbread man. That's it's, that's good. Mwah, chef kiss. You know what would make this better? Mm. If it was a Shrek themed TCG. Mm, people, uh, there's some stuff that's very Shrek-esque in that set. I don't doubt it. It's they're they're calling on the same yeah stuff. There's a card that's literally the Black Knight from Monty Python's The Holy Grail. <laughs> of course, there is. It's a it's called the Black Knight. Instead of normally a creature has like a power and toughness, but this comes in with counters on it. Yeah, like plus one plus one counters. And, and when it takes damage, instead of it dying, you remove a plus one, plus one counter. Uh, so it's like it's re you're removing all of his limbs. That make That's so smart. I know! Flavor, oh. function, meeting. Mm. They almost got me back in, I think, a year or so ago. Because mm -hmm. uh, when I was... I've gotten in and out of Magic the Gathering a lot through my life. I first discovered it when I was like in kindergarten, first grade, I think. Yeah. Uh, my friend had some cards and then I saw uh, there was a used bookstore my family used to go to and they had packs there. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. And I was like, hey, dad, can I get those? And he was like, sure, whatever. This was before Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Um and the guy at the store was like, you maybe don't want to get those. They're a little advanced. I was, you know, five or six. So Yeah, was, Magic the Gathering is complicated. Yeah, and that just made me want them even more. When he said they're kind of advanced. And I was like, I gotta have them! Mm -hmm. And I didn't get them. But after yeah. Pokemon, I did eventually. But my friend had them, so I did, like, get to see them and hold them and yeah. Um, and then after Pokemon came out, I was like, okay, this is cool. I like Pokemon. But something reminded me of Magic the Gathering, and I just got into it then, and then moved here, fell out of it. And then I got into it again in high school, and I fell out of it when my cards got stolen. Mm. 
And then right out of high school, I got back into it. And I think this was around uh, Guild Pact, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. the I think that was the second Ravnica set, I think. Yeah. Uh, there was... There is a deck that I've played since then that has just... It's not even close to the same deck it started out as. Mm -hmm. But it started out as one of the uh, pre-built uh, Guild Pact sets. And it was one that was all about putting uh, buffs on... You had like two or three like creature spells in your deck, but then you had a shit ton of uh, plus one, plus two counters and stuff like oh. that. And okay. just like keep putting equipment on the cards to make them stronger and stronger and stronger. That's called, uh, people call that strategy Voltron. Yeah, that's unsurprising. It started out that way, but it evolved into a beast deck. Hmm, like a beast tribal deck. Just beasts and a couple elves. Okay. Well, I mean, tri that's the, the term people use for decks that are like about a specific type of creature. Oh tribal. yeah. Tribal. Then yeah, it's tribal, and the the foundation of that deck started out when it started morphing into that was I had um, Spearbreaker Behemoth and Spellbreaker Behemoth. Oh, yeah, just some big dumb green idiots. Yeah, well, one green love... and red, but yeah, yeah, some big dumb gruel idiots. I love. Yeah, I it's... love big dumb green idiots. And Spearbreaker was it like it couldn't be damaged or something like that mm -hmm. and spellbreaker was similar but it couldn't be affected by spells or whatever it probably had hexproof that's what it was i think um actually i know exactly where this is i'm gonna go get it okay okay Okay, okay. Let's see what I got in my little box. My box is in another room, so I don't want to go grab it. Yeah. For those who don't know, back in the day, there were five colors of magic, which are similar to energy in Pokemon. And then there was a set called Ravnica. And in Ravnica, there was a, a bunch of guilds that were centered around, a co like, each guild was a combination of one of the two colors, and there were ten of them. And basically, er that because of that set, every color combination would become colloquially known as the name of the guild. Yeah. So, red-green was called Gruul, which was the guild that was, which was the red-green guild on Ravnica. Yep. And then there was also a set called Khans of Tarkir, and there were a bunch of tribes that were three colors, and they would be known, like the three color combinations would be named after the tribes. But anyway. Yeah. So there was like three or four cards that were like the real, that as it is now, they're like the foundation of this deck. Mm hmm. And the first one, like the most important, more than any of the beasts, is Relinquery Tower. Mm -hmm. Because it removes the limit on your hand size. Oh, relic, Reliquary Reliquary. Tower. Yeah, Reliquary Tower. My bad. You're, you're, you have no maximum hand size. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's an artifact, yeah. yeah the, no, it's a land. Oh, yeah, it's a land. I thought it was an artifact. Yeah, it's a colorless land. Okay. Does it tap for mana, or does it just have a... It taps for mana. Yeah, taps okay. for mana. Taps for a colorless, okay. 
Yeah. Uh, hold on. Okay. You have no maximum hand size, and then tap at one to your mana pool. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a colorless mana thing. Yeah. When the Avon scouts located the tower in Esper, the Knights of the Reliquary set off on a righteous crusade to recover their lost treasures. Yeah. There's some good flavor text to match the gathering. Yeah. And then, okay. So there was the Spellbreaker and the Spearbreaker. Mm -hmm. Spearbreaker Behemoth is indestructible. Oh, got it. And when you... Mm -hmm. And then when you spend one mana... Target creature with power five or greater is indestructible for this turn. Neat. And then there's Spellbreaker Behemoth. Spellbreaker Behemoth can't be countered. Oh. And then this is free. It's not a spend anything. Creature spells you control with power five or greater can't be countered. Hmm. So the two of them together. Yeah. And almost everything in this deck has a power five or greater. Got it. It's a ferocious deck. Yeah, and then the other, another one that I th- is uh, like a important is the Lurgoif. Lugorf. Lugoif. L h u r g o y f. Yeah, Lugoif. Yeah, and its power is equal to the number of creature cards in all graveyards, and its toughness is equal to that number plus one. Yeah, yeah. Ah, Hans, run! It is the Lugoif. Safi Eric's daughter, last words. There's a there's a there there are magic joke sets. Yeah. And one of them in one of the magic joke sets, the unsets, there is a card called Ah Hans Run, it's blank. <laughs> the joke sets are really fun. Yeah, I, I used to see them a lot. And then the last two that are super important to the deck are Elvish Piper. Mm-hmm. You tap a green. Is it just tap a green? Uh, it shows a green, and then I think I have to tap this card as well. But I put a creature card from my hand into play. Oh, okay. Then you combine that with Mael of the uh, Mael the Anima, mm-hmm. and you tap three plus a red, green, white. Can look at the top five of your library and put a creature card with power five or greater from among them into play. Oh, okay. So this is this is a big dumb idiots. Yeah, it's you've played Dungeons and Dragons with me. You know my play style. Yeah, no, this is what I like to do in Magic too. Yeah, it's, well, it's one of the things I like to do in Magic. Yeah. The other thing I like to the other thing I like to do in Magic is I like to like. All right, I'm gonna play this guy. It summons three other. It summons three token guys, and then I'm gonna use this guy's ability to sacrifice all three of them and ping you for like three damage and heal myself. And then I'm gonna bring a guy back from the graveyard and do like do 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 shenanigans. <laughs> do like sacrifice, bring things back from the graveyard, ping ping dudes, destroy your thing shenanigans. That's what. That's the other thing I like to do in Magic the Gathering. Yeah. I just like to tap a bunch. I just like to do a bunch of shit. Just like tap things, sacrifice things, bring them back from the graveyard. Shenanigan. I feel you. I feel I you. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, last thing I'll say about the Magic Arena is the new, the newest current set is uh, Magic the Gathering. All of the sets are usually themed after a plane of existence. Uh, Ravnica being one of them. 
and uh, there are some there's some planes that we've returned to multiple times. In fact, recently, a couple steps ago, we went back to Ravnica a third time. <laughs> yeah, the, I was I was saying before that they did another Ravnica set because Ravnica um, people really like Ravnica. It's cool. It is cool. There's also a D and D book about where you can play in Ravnica. I've seen that. I really want to play in that. Yeah, there's, we might, we might, we might at some point. There's another set that I I remember people really wanted them to go back to. Um, I was one of those people. It was like the Japanese one, Kamigawa. Yes, Kamigawa. Kamigawa might come back at some point, but the one we went back to this time was Theros. Uh, which is the Greek mythology one with oh, gods. Oh, that, yeah. There are gods. The gods are back, and there's a lot of Greek mythology references everywhere. At one point, I was trying to build a uh, uh, EDL, EDL? EDH. EDH. I was trying to build uh, an that, EDH yeah, deck. Commander, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, it's the most popular format now. I hate it. I never liked it. Um, it's the most popular format. I know it's so annoying. I remember when I first transferred to USF, I was excited because people were playing Magic. I was still playing at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, Magic, yeah, Commander is completely different from any other format. Yeah, well, I was gonna say I was really excited. I was like, oh, I get to play Magic. Awesome. Oh, they're all playing Commander. I really wow. like Commander. I want to play Commander. I, I just like playing with my one deck, <laughs> and I well, can't. Can, yeah, well, you could make that deck into a commander deck. Your your Naya legendary creature could be the commander of that deck, I, and it could I, be centered around big beasts. I tried doing that, but so a lot of this deck is really like reliant on also smaller card like Sylvan Ranger. I have four of them in there. Okay, I mean, the little I, one ones that let you pull lands from your deck. Yeah. Well. Need to get. I I often have all four out there. You can only have one of each card. Yeah, I know. There's a, there are other cards that do similar things. There's there are three, four different versions of what you're talking about. There's Elvish Mystic, uh, Lanoir Elves, and um, there's one other like elf like card that's it has a different name, but it does the same thing. So it technically doesn't count. Hmm. So you can have four of them. Okay. Anwar Elves, Elvish Mystic, and the one other one. Like, and they're just like one mana, one one tap for green. Call those mana dorks. Okay. It, you, it can be done. There's a there's a podcast to listen to called The Command Zone, which is about Commander. I highly recommend checking it out. Yeah. If you want to learn more about Commander. The fun there's also a different format that's um called Long. That's um instead of uh it being all sets, it's standard commander, like standard legal cards. Mm -hmm. And you can play it in arena. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. If you want to play something that's similar to commander, but don't have people to play with physically, or you don't want to play MTGO because MTGO sucks, play that. Yeah. I'll, I'll think about it. I Like I said, I really can't touch... No, 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 this that's fair. I, I, I understand. Yeah. It's totally fair. I get it. Yeah. It's... Anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's your week? Uh, Yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll probably, right. talk, I'll probably talk about magic, magic more periodically just because it's a game I'll probably be 
playing pretty consistently. Okay. Anyway. Well, I'll, I'll genuinely look forward to that because I do love that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so my week. Um, as far as animation goes that we haven't both watched, uh, some new episodes of uh, DC Superhero Girls ended up on uh, uh, Netflix. Oh. Sorry, someone's heading out the door. Anyway. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, some new episodes of DC Superhero Girls uh, wound up on Netflix. Uh, episodes 22 through 32. That's a lot. They're like 11-minute episodes. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. So, it's really like five episodes, not ten. Mm-hmm. Um, they were good. You know, I mean, it's more of the same. Uh, still sure. season one, for the record. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, I guess they're just uploading them in little bursts, maybe. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's a it's a pretty good. I mean, it's a good show. I've talked about it. It's Lauren Faust uh, tackling, uh, you know, DC superhero girls, <laughs> <laughs> which yeah. it well, it's uh, for itself. Yeah, yeah. I I believe I've talked about it before. Yeah, you've talked about it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, I'd need to check it out for sure. For the for the record, it's the second iteration of something with the same title. Because hmm. um, it started out as a, a line of fashion dolls. That, yeah, that tracks. Um, it, it was Mattel doing like a sort of Barbie-esque thing with DC superheroes who were female. I, uh, I see. Yeah, um, and there was a like animated shorts that went along with that, which I feel like I never heard anyone say anything good about them because mm-hmm. it looks kind of bland. Mm. Um, it looks like what I picture a Barbie cartoon to look like, except Barbie cartoons have always been CG. Uh, freaking uh, what's that new one? Life in the Dream House? Not not that. I'm thinking more like something from like the '90s. Oh yeah, or the, the all those directed video movies. Yeah, I've heard it, Life in the Dreamhouse is hilarious. I I've seen clips from it. Uh, I have friends who aren't generally into cartoons who have watched it because it's, I think it's like meme worthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you want wheat bread? Oh, silly! You know I don't like anything spicy. <laughs> uh, yeah, well. um, anyway yeah it, it's a good show uh, I, I feel like they brought Lauren, Lauren, uh, Lauren Faust to you know make it more compelling mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's good you know it's kind of sometimes it's random weird humor you know like the just kind of using someone who's hyper as joke Lol, so random. Yeah. Um, Pinkie Pie. Hey, you're, insert Pinkie Pie here. You know? You've got two Pinkie Pies in this. you got both Batgirl and Harley Quinn. That's a lot of... That's a lot. Yeah. Pinkie is a lot. <laughs> yeah. They're also best friends outside of being superheroes and supervillains. Oh, yeah. You did mention this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, said, you said big lesbian vibes. I don't give me a big lesbian vibes from them. Mm. Who was I it? Get it? Had big lesbian Supergirl. Vibes? Ah, right. 
Supergirl's big. Okay, Supergirl's voiced by the same person who voiced Shigo. Mm. Uh, Nicole Stewart? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. For someone who's like my favorite, vo- one of my favorite voice actors, I should know her name. Nicole Sullivan. That's what it Nicole is. Nicole Sullivan. There you go. Yeah. Uh, also on Matt TV. Oh, yeah, she was, wasn't she? Yeah. yeah. We have this conversation pretty regularly. Yeah, we do. We just. <laughs> time yeah oh god anyway well uh so yeah so that that that's the only animated thing i watch other than the stuff we've both seen yeah 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 um i got some live action oh no, no, no there's one other animated thing but it's connected to a live action thing hmm. so i'll get to that in a moment i did something that i haven't done since high school which is i bought manga huh and I'm not counting my uh, Shonen Jump subscription. Okay. Because uh, that's like $2, and I read maybe a fraction of what I can. can. Mm-hmm. So what manga did you buy? Well, Barnes & Noble had a... Uh, what was it? A buy two, get one free deal. Hmm. So the one that I got free was uh, the first volume of Soul Eater. Nice. Uh, I like which Soul is a series I really want us to cover uh, in the anime form. Oh uh, yeah, we should talk about Solider. Honestly, I like I like the Solider anime. I also know the anime is very different from the manga. It is. It, kind, it it had the same problem that the Full Metal Alchemist anime had. It's still good though. Yeah, and I it s- has really nice animation. Yes, it does. But I would really like to see it get the Brotherhood treatment. Yeah, I would too, especially since the manga is pretty much over now. It is. It's He's got a new series. He's got Fire Force. Yeah, Fire Force, which I need to catch up on. But anyway. I, I was, yeah. Um, But the manga that I got, uh, the other two are, it's. I think it might just be two volumes and it's done. I re- I'm really not sure. Uh, but it's called Ryuko. Hmm, haven't heard of it. It's an older manga, I think, and it's by a guy who's like more famous for uh, illustration than comics. Mm-hmm. Um, it it it's a uh, like a, a crime story. She's the daughter of a yakuza guy, and she's like head of her own thing. And there, there's it's hard to describe it without spoiling it and i yeah, really because, want people to read it because it's so short yeah yeah it's like that problem i had talking about all the animated shorts that one time because yeah was like i didn't want to spoil any of them yeah it's really good um i feel like it has some pacing issues hmm. but the pacing issues aren't so much like it feels fast or it feels slow. It's more like I kind of wish they'd switch some sequence. Sequence like th- there are flashbacks that I tend to forget are flashbacks. Oh, okay. It's, so it suffers from Kill Bill syndrome. Yes, and that's actually really good because Kill Bill is the closest thing I could think of. Yeah, there are people who have edited those two movies together so that it's like where it's not just all talking in one movie and all action in the other. Yeah. Um, you know, but anyway. So but yeah, it, Re- yeah. Ryoko's really good. You were going to say something? 
I was just going to say, I like those movies, but I understand the feeling of wanting to edit them together. So it's like more like, so not all the action is in one movie and not all the story is just in one. But anyway. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, Ryuko is really good. Um, you can find it at Barnes and Noble. You could probably find it online else as well. Um, I was going to try to get like the first three volumes of Vinland Saga because they have these nice, oh. big, thick, like a uh, hardbound. Yeah, collections, but they only have starting at four. And I'm like, weird. I know the contents of volumes one through three, so I don't really need them, but I want them. Yeah, I like owning physical books and things. I like the. I like it. It feels nice to own them. It's that, but it's also if I'm going to own something of a series i really want to start at one and not four yeah fair uh then uh i saw uh i think last week maybe i uh got onto hulu went to my my queue or whatever they call it now mm-hmm and I saw that uh, both Letterkenny and Brockmire, uh, two of my favorite shows, had uh, put up new seasons. Oh, man. I need to watch Letterkenny. Everything I've seen of it looks fucking hilarious. Letterkenny is absolutely hilarious. It's. I heard it described once as Wes Anderson meets Gilmore Girls. I would have just, from what I've seen, it looks like canadian king of the hill if king of the hill was even more aware of what it was making fun of i see that but as someone who's seen all seven seasons uh-huh the wes Anderson it's shot like it's wes anderson it, like it, it has yeah. just has that framing mm-hmm. but it just has that super rapid fire dialogue that gilmore girls had oh uh, you know what yeah I never watched Gilmore Girls, but I feel I feel what you're. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, and then Letterkenny also this time around got a small little animated spinoff called Little Kenny, and uh, it's about the main Ken main characters as little kids. Hmm. Is that any good? It's funny. Because it's oh, the okay. same team writing. It, it, oh, well, the animations. Okay. It's the same people playing their characters. And huh. it's the same writing team. It's just animated rather than get child actors. Huh. Like the Louis Anderson show. Yeah, I mean, it's just like... Like, okay. You're talking with your friends the other day is Letter Kenny. But Little Kenny is... You were talking with your friend the other day... The other day. Got it. Just pitch the voices up a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing, but pitch the yeah. voices. Got it. Except it's not like editing pitch. It's them speaking higher. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. Yeah. Um, the first season is just how the team came together. Oh. It explains uh, how Wayne met Derry and how they met uh, Squirrely Dan. and How Harry met Sally. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. They haven't... So, okay. Do you know anything about Letterkenny? I've seen clips of it. Okay. That's all That's all I know. I don't the, know much about it. 
there's multiple like groups within the show and they all tie together because they all live in a small town. They all know each other, but the main, main group is a uh, Wayne. His sister, Sarah, I think her name's Sarah. No, Katie. Sorry. Wayne and Katie, they're siblings. And then there's Derry and Dirt, uh, Squirrely Dan. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Katie doesn't talk at all in the little Kenny. Mm-hmm. She does in letter Kenny. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe they just couldn't get her available. Maybe they just, mm. I don't know. It, it's unclear what age I, I think they're supposed to be like first grade. So she'd be like kindergarten or preschool. So maybe it's that. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's just real good. Uh, real fast. Uh, real funny, real tight. Got it. Uh, and then the other show is Brockmire. Which, I know uh, nothing about. I know nothing about this. I described it once to you, even though you haven't seen the show. I referred you, oh, to it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you described it, but yeah, I, I, I hadn't heard it. It's for those out there. It's basically BoJack Horseman, but live action. Uh, which I know does you no good, uh, Kai, because you haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Bojack, uh, but basically, he is a uh, Brockmire. Can't remember his first name. Everyone just calls him Brockmire. He's played by Hank Azaria, uh, and he is a baseball announcer who, in the '90s or early 2000s, I can't remember. Uh, he's he's real popular. He's real good. He's doing a good job. But then he finds out on air that his wife is cheating on him. Oh. And he breaks down. Or no, no, no. He finds out right before he goes on air. And while on air, he just breaks down and he just goes on a tirade. Oh, so it's like that scene in Bruce Almighty. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And then he disappears. And he just goes all across the world. He does he comes back and he's a different man and he he's trying to get back into announcing baseball he wants to make a comeback he doesn't want to be a piece of shit drug addict alcoholic well he doesn't really want to take away the alcoholic drug stuff just yet mm-hmm. at the beginning but he he's eventually does it. i don't remember what se- i think it's season 2 towards the end he gets clean uh, and throughout the current season, which is season three or four, I really can't remember. Um, he's going, you know, he's going to AA. He's living clean. And he's just trying to announce baseball. But this season set in Florida. Oh, so it really hits home. Yeah. Got um, it. He was doing. First, he was doing minor league, like, Spring no, he was doing a uh, spring training commentary for Oakland, mm-hmm. and because they were spring training in Florida, they were playing uh, the Rays a lot or Tampa Bay. They didn't actually say Rays, but he had he for some reason hates Tampa, <laughs> which I completely relate to. Resonates. And he has, it resonates, <laughs> and he has so many good things. The, the way I opened today, uh, Tampa, Florida's most Floridian city. 
That's uh-huh. one of the things he says about it. Uh-huh. And then another one is like Tampa. It's like Florida opened assist, and there Tampa was. <laughs> oh oh God, I love it. Um, yeah, it it's just a show where you see. It's just one of those shows where you see a piece of shit, like a a bad person trying to do right. Mm. And he's not like a horrible person. He's not racist. He's not sexist. He's not uh, homophobic. He's just kind of an asshole. Yeah, he's just an asshole. He's an addict. And he drags people down the way addicts tend to drag people in their lives down. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know that's a harsh statement. But it is. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I have. I don't want to get into personal family stuff, so I'm yeah, not. No, going no, no, no. Yeah, we don't. Let's not. You know, let's not air. Does um, not air dirty laundry on this yeah. podcast. Someone in my family was a heroin addict, and okay. it was tough on other people in my family. All right, and that's all that needs to be said. Yeah. Um. But in this like this season, he's not addicted anymore. Mm-hmm. So why is he still an asshole? Is what he's asking himself. Mm. Or okay, no, addiction isn't something you stop being. He's just not on the things he's addicted to anymore. So why is he still an asshole? Why is he ruining the lives of people around him? These are the things he's asking himself. And it's it's a good show. I mean, I know there's some controversy around Hank Azaria, specifically the Apu voice. Mm, I mean, that's a fair. It definitely is, and he stepped down from The Simpsons, and they're probably not going to be doing Apu anymore. Good. Um, but uh, doesn't change the like. He's good in Brockmire, and I. <sighs> I get it. I understand. Yeah, I, I really don't know. Like, yeah, I, I'm not fully equipped to go on about that. No, no, no. It there's something to be said for how much you are willing to. What's the word I'm looking for? Overlook, forgive. Uh, how much you're willing to? Um, there's a word. To. Damn, there's there's a I'm I'm fucking struggling. There's a, there's a re- there's a perfect word, and I'm just like reconcile. Yeah. There, everyone has certain limits and levels of how much they're willing to reconcile, especially for media. It's yeah. everyone has varying levels of bullshit that they're willing to put up with, and it's all also like, not, there's it's not just a a, a a one scale. It's like I have a certain level of bullshit for this specific thing, but I have more of a tolerance for this other thing. That's a different yeah. kind of bullshit. It's all you know, and it's all about finding what you're willing to reconcile. And how much, and you know, I think as long as you're willing to acknowledge and criticize, just and but you know, yeah, it 
but it, it is there are there are obviously exceptions to these things. I I don't want to make a blanket statement. Yeah, I I think in the case of Hank Azaria, he's maybe not a boomer, but maybe like a Gen Xer or something. Mm-hmm. And the time he grew up, accents were funny. Mm-hmm. And we're not in that zone anymore. No. Because they're not funny. No, they're not. I mean... I mean, if they're, as, long as, they're, as, long as, as long as they're not making fun of a... You know, marginalized people. Yeah, like... It's fun doing a Swedish accent. <laughs> yeah, because the Swedish aren't marginalized. <laughs> yeah, or, or a Scottish accent. You know, oh, hi. Well, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. all, but yeah, I get it. And also, like, yeah, but as I said, they're always it's not they're... okay to do the Apu voice anymore. Yeah. It's, it's not like... an Indian accent. It's the Apu voice. Mm-hmm. And again, reconciliation is varying done different people and very, and it also varies how, how okay it is depending on the thing of media. And again, there's always exceptions to whatever. I don't again. I don't want to make a blanket. Yeah, because there's yeah, always yeah. Ex- there's there's huge exceptions to what you're that you what you should be able to reconcile when yes. it comes to media. There, I'm not going to name names, but you know. And it took him a while, but I think ultimately he did the right thing, stepping down from Simpsons. And mm-hmm. when a not- voice cast voice actor leaves the simpsons they tend to not touch his character the characters that they did anymore yeah so i think we're not going to see apu speak anymore which Mm -hmm. it's not great because you know you could have gotten an indian guy who has an accent if you wanted an accented indian guy yeah but someone who's actually doing a real indian accent not a stereotype yeah and also not and I, I don't know how many Indian guys would actually want to play the bodega Stere- owner. The stereotype, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It, it, you, on the one hand, you would like them to be played by an actual Indian person. But on the other hand, you don't want to be typecast. Yeah, exactly. I think it'd be better if they, I don't know, introduced another Indian character who wasn't the... You know what you should do? There's a really good TV show. A uh, really good TV show. I, I don't know if it's actually on TV or if it's streaming only. But have you ever seen Kim's Convenience? Yeah, I've seen clips of it. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Just get the guy who plays Mr. Kim <laughs> mm. to, to take over uh, the Quickie Mart. There you go. Bad. Doesn't have to do an accent. He, he's just a guy who plays convenience store owner. Yeah. So should we move on to the stuff we both watched? That- not yet, because okay. my week's not over. All right, you have a whole thing. Yeah, I had a shit week that started on. Okay, let me look at my calendar real quick. <laughs> you have a fucking story. It started January first, and it didn't stop until the seventeenth. Oof. That's rough, my guy. Yeah. So the first was a Thursday. Wait. Hmm. 
was it the first? No, not the first. The second. The second is what I'm thinking of. Sorry. January 2nd to January 17th. That so was little, my week. A little over two weeks. Yeah. So I wake up January 2nd. And that's a misnomer because I didn't wake up. I was already awake because I didn't sleep at all. Got it. Because acid reflux. Mm. Yeah. So I called out of work that day. You know, it. I'd already had the two days off for New Year's. But I would have gotten in a car accident if I had driven to work that day because I would have fallen asleep behind the wheel. Yeah, wouldn't have been good. No. Uh, so then I go in the next day, Friday, and I'm like, I hope I, I hope I didn't leave people in the wind with huge amounts because whatever. Turns out our computer system got held up by ransomware. Oh boy. And they sent everyone home at like 1 p.m. on Thursday. So I didn't really miss anything, but that also meant it was still down and we couldn't work and they held us there all day. Like we didn't, I think we went home at like three, which is like an hour and a half early, but still we just sat there. We we brought in the shipments when they came in, but it was still just long stretches of nothing. And you read the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> no, no, not that day. I didn't have it yet. Didn't have it yet. Okay. Um, no, it's fine. Then that weekend happened, and you know that weekend was fine. I bought the mount. That was when I bought the manga, and I also bought Counter Monte Cristo at that point. Yeah. Uh, and the reason he bought Counter Monte Cristo no. will be revealed later. Okay, fine. It will be revealed later. There's a but anyway. I didn't want to bring that up at all, honestly. Uh, that's oh, sorry. I mean, you know, it's yeah. I, I didn't think it mattered. Yeah. Whatever. Um. So then I show up to work on Monday. Still nothing. And still they hold us there all day. Yeah. Same thing on Tuesday. And they hold us there all day. Tuesday I read the Mon Count of Monte Cristo. Monday I was still reading the uh, Steel Crow saga. Oh yeah. Uh, finished that. Pretty good. Uh, pretty damn good. I hope there's more. Cool. Um... Then they fix it like 8 p.m. on Tuesday. Mm. And they tell us either come in or stay late the next day. And mm. then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I work 10-hour shifts. Got a, got a lot to catch up on, yeah. Yeah. And then Saturday, I work an 11-hour shift. <sighs> and then Sunday, Sunday, we finally catch up. But it was just me and one other person because we weren't ordered to come in Sunday. I thought we were, but we weren't. Mm -hmm. But we caught up on Sunday. I worked like half a day, but still. Mm -hmm. Like a six-hour weekend is not a weekend. Yeah. And then, so then Monday, I show up to work. And I have a doctor's appointment that day, which is why I showed up. was glad we finished Sunday because I wasn't going to be able to leave early if we didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, you know, I work, and then I get in my car, and I start driving, and my car starts vibrating violently. 
and it starts like fighting me getting out of it into first gear and i'm freaking out i'm like fuck what so i pull into a parking lot of like some mega church or whatever because i live in florida and those are every few blocks yeah the same here in texas yeah yeah they're everywhere yeah this one used to be a grocery store boy that's a big that's the big mood i i feel that Mm -hmm. oh you you know what's real sad what so for some reason okay toys r us isn't anywhere anymore well yeah they all closed down yeah yeah well except canada still in canada yeah weird uh yeah well they're different companies somehow i don't know yeah 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 we don't don't know but Tampa had like this huge like I remember back in Jersey I live in a small town and we had two Toys R Us near us. Hmm. And one was nicer than the other but they were both good. We had one Toys R Us. And it was in an annoying place to get to. And then the next nearest one was like halfway between like here in Orlando, so it was like an hour and a half away. Fuck off. Yeah. And then that one shut down sometime when I was in high school, and now that's a mega church too. Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I pull into a mega church and I call my mom because I want to let her know what's happening, and then I'll call somewhere else. And she, while she still has me on the phone, she calls the dealership, which is where we get our service done. Mm-hmm. And they're like, should be safe to drive, but bring it in. <sighs> they tell me they're not going to be able to get to it that day. Once I get there. Mm-hmm. So I leave it overnight. And I take off the next day because if I have to go in for whatever to the dealership. About my car, I just don't want to have to leave work. Yeah. Um, also, I have no way to get to work. Yeah. And they don't get to it that day either. Like, they they keep saying, you know, we're still running diagnostics. And then they tell us, well, people are running diagnostics when they have time. We get a lot of cars in in a day. And fine, whatever. Um, I get, you know, shit's busy. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know enough about being a mechanic. It's I know things about being a mechanic, but, you know, yeah, that's what I do. Part time. Yeah, I work on cars. Yeah. But anyway. So anyway, the shitty job, I'll tell you that <laughs> I don't doubt it. But anyway, I almost thought about going to school for that, actually. And people always need their cars fixed. Yeah. It's like it's like a, being a plumber. You're always yeah. going to have work. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, don't hear back from them. My mom gives me a ride to work the next day. Uh, still hear nothing. No, wait. Yeah, still here. I hear back from them Thursday. Jeez. And what they tell me is we got three options. The cheapest of which is a re-engineered transmission 
from uh, Ford. Yeah. Which is like 1400 bucks. <sighs> then there's another one that's uh, get one from a local scrapyard and they check the scrapyards and the none of them have like less than 90,000 miles on them. Yeah. And that's more expensive than a re-engineered one. Mm-hmm. And the third one is disassembly. Find out exactly what's wrong. Fix it. Reassembly. Stick it back on there. And that'd be like $2,900. Yeah, that's mostly... You're mostly paying for the man hours for that. Yeah, I know. Uh, and my car is like a $500 car at this point. It's 15 years old. It's not yeah. worth much. It's in... Mechanically, other than the transmission, it's in good shape. But the interior is shitty um so we just decide don't do anything i'm my saturday was spent getting a new car yeah sell it for parts get a new car oh we just did a trade-in i mean that works yeah the other place gave us like 300 dollars for it on trade-in i mean hey yeah it's not, considering how old it is that's not the worst yeah no now i've got a uh 2020 subaru forester so Brand new. Yeah, brand spanking new. Nice. Yeah, and it's got... It, it's something. I mean, I'm sure you'll get used to it. Yeah, it... Yeah, it, it's... It's more getting used to, like, the, the modern shit in it, because... Yeah. The car I was driving, I drove from 2008 till Monday. That... You know, honestly, I'm surprised it didn't break on center. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the thing. It's a 2005. And my dad drove it before I did. Uh, It was his. man. Yeah. That's an old fucking car, my guy. Like I said, 15 years. That's a... You know what? You served your your country well. (laughs) Yeah. But here's the thing. We took it in regularly for maintenance, and it only had 57,000 miles on it. Oh, because mm. we don't I don't much care for traveling. I'm a homebody. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Just drove it to work, drove it to school, sometimes drove it around town. But mm-hmm. I, I'm almost never on the interstate. I never go to other cities or towns or states. No long distance to clock up those miles. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. Um. And that's that was, my week. That's my week. If you had lived anywhere near here, I would have probably given you a deal on uh, fixing it. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I would have come to you. <laughs> yeah, my my me and my dad probably would have got. Uh, we would have done it for you, and we would have done it for cheaper than the dealership. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's still. But, I mean, it wouldn't have. It still would have been money, but. You know, yeah, we would have done it. My dad usually does it for way cheaper than the dealership will do it. But a lot of the, t- yeah. the thing about it is, is that a lot of newer cars, they, this is a, for those who, for those of you who don't know, some, a lot of newer cars, it like they want you to get a newer car because the way they make newer cars, they make it, it's like what Mac does with computers. Yeah. They make it harder and harder for you to fix it yourself. 
So you got to take it to their dealership to get it fixed. Yeah. So they get your money. Yep. I cannot even fucking tell you some newer cars. It's like they like, oh, well, like, oh, I need a thing for this. And it's like, you see this? He's like, and I'm like, yeah, this is a specialized tool for this very specific thing. This very specific clip that I need to take off for this one specific part that's only on a, like newer cars. See this one? Also specialized tool. Also this one, another specialized tool that I hardly ever use. I fault. Oh god. All and don't even get me started on European cars. <laughs> don't even get me started on fucking European cars. Uh, the yeah. audacity that some European car makers have on how they construct their cars like, "Oh, no one will never need to take it apart because it'll never break." Yeah. Fuck you. So yeah. They, the way they construct them, it's a pain in the ass to take apart. You got to move. Oh, we got to get to this thing. Well, we got to move that this other thing out of the way before we can get to that thing. Oh, it turns out this other thing is also in the way before we can get to this thing. So you got to fucking take apart three other things to get the thing you need to take apart anyway. Like, God. Oh, God. Yeah, my coworker uh, has a like a, a another 15 year old car, but it's Mercedes. Oh fuck! It's not a fancy Mercedes; it's a station wagon. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I've worked on one of those. Yeah, uh, I like station wagons personally, but mm-hmm. I'm not crazy about Mercedes. Yeah. But he was telling me his transmission went a couple months ago, and the nightmare he went through having to, you know, has to go to like a licensed Mercedes specialist and. <sighs> Yep. There you go. So anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's my week. Yep. And uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about uh, Don't Mess With Azokan and the Owl House. Part of a shared week, kind of. Yeah, because we both watched these things. And I'm definitely going to plan on keep watching them. Me too. All right, well, let's just take that quick break, and when we get back, we'll talk about those two things. See you then. Hold it, Raymond! Don't you know a jumping party when you see one? You're just in time for the dance battle! The what? A dance battle? Now that's more like it! Fireball! Huh? Enough of that noise! Play what's in your heart!
is Oaken first um i have probably more things to say about our house than i do is as much as i did like it okay then we'll do uh is and then we'll get to owl house so there's a new anime out uh it's part of the new anime season called uh hands off is and yeah hands off that's what it is well, hands off is most people just call it is yeah uh to just to give a brief overview of what it's it's about three high school girls trying to make an anime together and that's about as like broad as i can be about it without yeah getting too, um, too more i feel like limiting yourself to that description doesn't really give an it, accurate it, it doesn't do it justice because i feel like saying that will make people think of like bakuman or bakuman or whatever it's yeah. called it's very different from Bakuman. Yeah. Because um, this is... it. It's equal parts a uh, love letter to animation. Mm-hmm. And more specifically, that Future Boy Conan or whatever. I, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Uh, the the boy on an island he wears like all mustard yellow for some reason. I've it's never very, seen it. It's very much a uh, shout out to the era of like stuff like Ishinomori and yeah. uh, freaking um, Tezuka and those types of things, and also like obviously Ghibli. Yeah, and that sort of stuff. And and it the episodes are kind of split between them talking about animation and also the kind of character development somewhat. Slice of life stuff. Slice of life stuff. And it's also then the other half is their imagination of the thing they're animating. Yeah. The my favorite things about those sequences are that all the sound effects are people like literally making the noises with their mouths. Yes. And also I like how the backgrounds in those scenes look like sketches yeah just like in the uh the only one the only character i remember like by name right as of right now is kanamori the tall girl because i really like her uh it's asakusa or uh-huh. asakusa or something like that and then asuka no it's asakusa asakusa yeah yeah and then the other one is can't remember, but she reminds me of Hikari from Digimon. Yeah, a little bit. But anyway, I just really, I, 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 Kanamori is my favorite of the girls. Same. Honestly. I, I, I remember my first thing with Isaacan was like, I saw her design and I was like, I'm watching this. I don't care what it is. <laughs> like, I love this character's design and I want to know what she's from and I, I have to watch it. I, I remember when I first saw like the previews for it, I was like, "All right, this could be interesting." But then I saw it was, it, it was, I'm gonna call it a meme. 
uh, it was the intro where they're all doing the separate dance moves and it gets faster and faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they would stick in another one that's from like a vine of this like fat kid dancing. Yeah, yeah or whoever. There, there's a bunch yeah. of different versions of it. Yeah. Uh, that that was when I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch this. It's mm-hmm. it's already got memes. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I've got two gut reactions to it. One one of them you said was a shitty take. Possibly a shitty take. Okay. I'm really not sure. The first one is non-controversial, and it's just it reminds me of this one level in Jet Set Radio Future. Like, I mean, the world. It yeah, I feel it. I feel that. Did you yeah. play Jet Set Radio Future? I've watched playthroughs of it, but I feel it. Okay. I, I feel it, it's, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, it, it's the level where you meet Wright. Uh, yeah, you're super right. That's very, yeah. The, the, it, it, it's like sundown, and there's lots of tall... It, it's real verticality. There's lots that, of water. That town is very cool. Yeah. Um, and the other one... This is the possibly shitty take. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to be one of those animes that is either eternally loved or completely forgotten by the end of the decade. Because hmm. hmm. I when I sat down and I watched the first episode, I got I had like the same feelings I had when I watched um is it beyond the boundary? It's like something about demon hunting, and there's like a schoolgirl with like red glasses, and oh yeah, 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 that I know what you're talking about. Yes, I had the same vibe where I either knew this is one of those things that's gonna really touch like the cultural center of anime nerds, or it's gonna be forgotten in a couple years. And I get the same feeling from Azokan. Hmm, that's a less shitty take than I thought you were gonna give. Yeah, I I know it, it. I thought it was a shitty take because it's way too early to be making that call. It's like two, we're two episodes in. On I know, show. but it's just like my gut and the feelings I was feeling when I watched it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same. I felt it with a couple other series. I've, I've had the same feeling with uh, Beck Mongolian Chop Squad. Oh, I fucking love Beck. Yeah. And then the other one that I really had this feeling for was, uh, well, beyond the boundary, obviously, but that that I already mentioned that. But um, see, I've already forgotten it. Proving your point, I guess. Yeah. Um, Fuck, I love Back Mongolian Chop Squad. So good. Kekai Sensen. Ah, yes. The thing I need to get back to that. Yes. Yeah. Um, Need to get back to that. I, it, it's either going to be... Because Kekai Sensen is another one where I know some people who were just absolutely enamored with that series. And I'm one of them. But I don't hear anyone else talking about it. Yeah. Other than like... People two we or know. three people. Yeah, two or three people we know. Yeah, 
It's fair. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing where this thing goes. Because, yeah. like, it says it's Sanin. So I'm like, are we going to get some heavy, like, deconstruction about, like, the realities of working in the animation industry and, like, having dreams and stuff like that? Or is it going to, is like, is it going to be sort of a, like, a thing about, like, following those dreams and, like, hmm. the realities of it? Or is it going to be more, more of a hopeful type of thing about just, like, you know, living that imagination you know i i'm very curious where it's going to go you know yeah i um because kanamori feels like the the what's the word i'm looking for she's the most grounded out of the three of the girls clearly yeah um, she's not a dreamer. She's a capitalist. Basically, she's in it. For, she's in for. She knows that the money, the world runs on money, and she wants to make. Yeah, money. yeah. She's in. She, yeah. Uh, she's not. Which isn't. She, she's not a bad person. Clearly, no. She's not a bad person. If she was a bad person, she would not stick around. Exactly, but, but and you know, there's a scene in the second episode where they're like the other two girls are like. Ah, uh, we don't. Let's not worry about the genre. Let's just do whatever. And and she's like, I guess it's just best to let them do what they want for now. Yeah, you know, she's very much like more realistic compared yeah. to the other two. Yep. But she also has. She said that thing about like we're really young. We have. We can. We can. There's no risk for us to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't get over the fact that the faculty office is inside of an old pool. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's up with that? The world is really surreal. Yeah, it it's... In a good way. I really... If there's ever a series that I wanted to get, like, ten spinoffs, it's this one, because I'm just so fascinated by the world. Mm, yeah. Uh, I also like the OP. The easy breezy, it's good. Yeah, I, I've been trying to track down an actual like version of that that I can purchase. Yeah, there's a the full version is out, but I don't know if there's a purchasable version of it quite yet. Yeah, might be on iTunes at some point, possibly. I'll look into it. Yeah, Lord. but I don't have too much else to say about it other than go watch it. It's good. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I think. This is probably one of my favorite anime openings of all time. It's up there. It's definitely I, I, a good one. I usually don't care for anime openings. Um, or really openings of any sort. I like just getting a title card. I'm, I feel the exact opposite. I love a good anime opening. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them aren't good. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That's the thing. You know what I really like? Mm. I like anime endings. Because mm. they usually do something more fun with it. Yeah. I think that, like, people, whenever they talk about anime openings, at least in the modern sense, it's like, they're only thinking about the song. Yeah. Like, I know, I don't just want a good song. Like, a good song, like, I want a good song, yes. But I also want 
a good intro to go with the song. Yeah, exactly. Like JoJo. JoJo has amazing intros. Yep. It, I'll give it that for sure. JoJo, and more than that, but... Yeah. Yeah. But we'll, you know... I don't yeah. want to promise anything, but we might talk about JoJo at some point. One day. One day. That's we'll the say. best I'll say. One day we'll talk about JoJo. One part at a time, though. We could do one and two together. Well, yeah, we wanted two together the same season anyway. Yeah. We'll talk about it in that sense. And also, part three has to be split up, because part three is really long, probably. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But anyway, we're not, you know. We're not. Late. That That's not what we're talking about right now. That's future plans. But yeah. Anything um, else to say about before we... Move on to... I really like the gadget designs. Yeah, all of the um, the things that she designs, the the the, 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 the just again very Ghibli, Tezuka esque. Yeah. Or no Toriyama. That's what it reminds me of is Toriyama's. Oh mechanical. yeah. Toriyama's mechanical designs because Toriyama, like people know him for his character designs, but that man loves to draw robots and cars. I think. Giving his characters flight was the biggest mistake of his career. Yeah. Because he stopped having an excuse to draw these wonderful machines. Yeah, also making it... Also making it so that, like, robots couldn't be as strong as the human characters, so he couldn't draw robot... Like, yeah. more robotic-looking villains. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of pitfalls that he fell into doing drag but you know we'll save yeah, that's that. life yeah we'll, that's yeah, life. life we'll save that for when and if we do dragon ball yeah i have ideas for how to do dragon ball yeah we're 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 talking about it but no promises yeah and this isn't just idea for how to do dragon ball but shonen series in general yeah because shonen it's a there's a lot it's a commitment to talk yeah. about shonen series. If I wanted to talk about One Piece or Naruto or Dragon Ball Bleach. or whatever. Well, that would have to mean I would actually want to talk about Bleach. <laughs> Sick burn. Uh, oh god, no. Uh I I was ready for Bleach to be my favorite of what I refer to as the big three. Yep. And it so quickly got forgotten. Yeah. There's a whole fucking... There's a whole story with Bleach. I, yeah. feel, bad, I feel bad for it, but anyway. Yeah. My basic idea, which I know you know, but I, I'm going to let the listeners know, because they can weigh in on this, because we have an email now. We do have an email. And what is and that Twitter. email? We'll get to that at the end of the show. Yeah, yeah. If you want to contact us, we'll give our we'll pl plug later yeah um but my idea for how we could do shonen series is we could break it up by the movies because those are generally their own continuity mm -hmm. like the main continuity is sort of implied to be connected but these are actually outside of it and we can use the movies as an excuse to talk about the series as a whole. As a, as a springboard, or at least talk about what was happening in the series around when this movie, the movie came, out. came out. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, that's not a terrible idea. So we could use like. We could do. We could do that with Dragon Ball. Tree, we could talk of, about tree of Might. Tree of Might, and talk about the Saiyan Saga. saga. Cooler's and, Revenge for Frieza. Yeah, and Dead Zone can go in there somewhere, I guess. I fucking love Dead Zone. Dead Zone's good, but Dead Zone's really good. The only reason I don't like it is because it's implied that it is canon because Garlic Jr. But that's filler, though. <laughs> yeah. It's not in the manga. It's that's filler. true. That's true. So it's fine. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Broly canon, though. Broly canon now. Broly canon now. When Broly, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, that that's my idea. We could do the same thing with Dragon Ball and Naruto. And I like some of those early Naruto. I meant to say One Piece and not Dragon Ball. It's fine. Yeah. I there like are some, so- There are a couple of good One Piece movies. I haven't seen any of them. There's some good ones. I think I've seen one episode of the One Piece anime. And it was the four kids dub. Well, the manga is... If you want to experience One Piece, go read the manga. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Yeah, no, that that's my opinion, too. But, yeah. Anywho. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, that's my idea for that. So, anyway, that's Azoken. Uh, keep your hands off Azoken. Don't touch Azoken. Whatever you want to call it. Yes. Um, so, Owl House. Owl House, the thing that both of us have been looking forward to... For a while now. I have only bought two things on iTunes. And I've been using iTunes since like iOS uh, 9. Mm-hmm. Like my G3 iMac. The one with the color back. The, the clear plastic. Oof. Yeah. I've been using iTunes a long time. Never fucking bought anything on it. I always just ripped CDs. Oh yeah. Do okay. Do we want to do a brief thing about what the house is for those who don't know? We'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. The only two things I've ever bought on iTunes are the OKKO OK theme song, the full extended one, and then Owl House season one. Mm-hmm. That's that's how excited I was for Owl House. Yeah. But uh, we've talked about. Uh, we talked about this during our looking forward to things, and we've mentioned it a couple times before then that we've really been looking yes. forward to this. This is a new animated series on Disney Channel uh, d- created by one Dana Terrace. And uh, also, Mr. Uh, Alex Hirsch is involved. Uh, I don't think I, he's involved with the animation, just the voice work. He is, he's, I mean, he's a good voice actor. He plays two main yeah. characters, and he's probably a bunch. He's going to be a bunch of Terry voices, I'm sure, because he's Alex Hirsch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm sure he's at least a little bit involved in writing, maybe probably. just because you know they're in a relationship. They're they live together, so they probably talk at home and bounce ideas off. And uh, it is about a young Hispanic girl named Luce who finds herself in a weird magical world with a witch and a demon, and it's just her weird magical adventures in this weird world and. Boy, is it weird! <laughs> yeah, it's in weird the best in its, way. It's weird and it's gross. In the best way. In the best way. It. How do I put this? It's very equal parts like Western animation and anime inspired. I feel. Yeah. Also, just 
very much inspired by the young adult genre of literature. Yeah, I mean, Luz is obviously, she's a big fan of the Harry Potter equivalent in this world. It's like somewhere between Harry Potter and Little Witch Academia. Harry Potter, Little Witch Academia, and Sailor Moon. Yeah. (laughs) It's that. She wants to be a cool magical girl witch, chosen one. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I just had the I just had the witch's name. Oh, Ida. Yeah, Ida. It's Ida the Owl Lady. Yeah. Was also based, and then her uh, roommate Wendy Malik. Yeah, played by Wendy Malik, and her roommate King the Demon, who is voiced by Alex Hirsch. Yeah, who's a cute little puppy. It's a cute little puppy. I love that she. As soon as she meets him, she says in Spanish, "Oh my God, he's so cute." Yeah, it's, it's adorable. I immediately love Luz. Yeah, Luz is great. And just like right away, that opening scene where you see all of her weird projects and like just stuff that she's done. She's a weirdo. She's a little weirdo. She's one of us. She's one of us. One of us. She says, she fucking, "Like, but I like to do things. I like to do like read books and make anime of music videos." <laughs> One of us. One of us. God. Um, I there was a thing that it reminds me of. It's like a fusion between, like the world, the Boiling Isles itself. Yeah, reminds me of a fusion between, like the town, like a fusion between Labyrinth and like something else. I can't put my finger on it. It, it, I definitely see the labyrinth. I also get a little bit of like Jim Henson. Yeah, he was Dark involved Crystal. in labyrinth, but Dark Crystal and also Fraggle Rock. Yeah, Fraggle Rock, Dark Crystal, Jim Henson with like a little bit of a weirdish bent, with like something a little more mixed in, like a weird, gross. Like it's like if maybe like a little ah, real monsters. Yeah, 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 maybe it's something. It's a weirdness. Yeah. I'm very curious if, like, you know what? You know what's going to be a really easy, like, cameo thing that they're going to do? Star? It, well, no. Well, that that too. But also, like, um, in the background shots, you probably might see Bill Cipher and his demon buddies at some point. Oh, yeah. Maybe not Bill, but one of the demons. One of the demons. One of the, the weirdo demons he summoned at the end of... Um, yeah. Guy Maybe, Falls. like, the giant baby head. Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. Definitely. Or uh, Justin Roiland's like time traveler guy. Yeah, we did see uh, uh, Dipper's hat in the first episode. It was there? Yeah, it was there. There's a, there's someone someone screen, someone screen grabbed it. I missed that completely. I mean, it's like, it was like a half a second. Blink and you miss it sort of okay. thing. Okay. Very much a tiny, tiny thing. Yeah. It's it's everything I wanted and more. I was not expecting all of the... I was admitting it to be creepy, but I wasn't expecting the, like, fucking Ida getting her head chopped off shit. <laughs> <laughs> With, like, just like, oh, okay, well, this, we're doing this now. And there's a scene where she's holding, like, a severed hand. It's like, okay, I'm glad that this show is not afraid to be gross. Like, I just wasn't expecting it. Yeah. Like, oh man, I hate when that happens. Oh, God. It's only one thing that I've had 
issues with in this show. Mm-hmm. It's just a line from season two. Never trust a man in sandals. <laughs> Episode two, man. Episode two. That's what I said, isn't it? No, you said season two. Ah, I'm sorry. I meant episode two. My bad. Why? Because you wear sandals. I wear sandals. I live in Florida. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, she was right, though. That wizard did wear sandals. Yeah, no. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason they gave him sandals and had her say that. <laughs> well, obviously, it was foreshadowing. Yeah. I bet at the end where he was like, these are the puppets. It was really fucking creepy and gross. Yeah, it was. And I loved it. I loved it too. And then she ate him. <laughs> yeah. God, this show is fucking weird. It's so good. And I immediately, especially near the end, and, and well, not just in the trailer, but now in the, the end of the second episode, it's like, oh, yes, here it is. My found family vibes. Yeah. There they are. There they are. Yeah. Big found family vibes. Very good. Fucking love this show. Yeah, I, I love so, it already. So excited to see where it goes. I'm super excited to see where it goes. I'm wondering if um, we're going to have a, a plot, a long-running plot thread like we had with Gravity Falls, or if this is just going to be more of an episodic thing. I think we're definitely going to see a plot. Um, yeah, but not right away. Well, okay. Have you seen? You see other characters that are going to be in it in the intro. Yeah, the the kids from the uh, wizard school or whatever. Yeah. I am positive Luz is going to get sent to that wizard school, mm -hmm. and we'll people will probably be like, "Oh yeah," because this will more episodes will be up by the time this goes up. But um, yeah, due to the nature of us how we record these, yeah, um. I'm positive Luz is going to end up there and there's going to be some sort of conspiracy in the school. Yeah, yeah. And I have a feeling there's going to be something that ties into the fact that the Boiling Isles are made up of a, a giant a rotting giant. Yeah, and also we saw you had a sister in the this season on trailer. Yeah. There's stuff. Yeah. I'm very curious... If we're gonna actually get like a thing where King actually ends up being your actual demon king, but he forgot or something, like it's like it's like and then I that hope. First, I god that'd be funny or something. I hope so. I, I really do hope so. Yeah, I'm I'm sure I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. There's gonna be an episode about it. Maybe yeah. he's not the king or but there's already a demon king or something. There's gonna be something, something with it. Yeah. Something with it. His Borger King crowd. <laughs> Borger Queen. Borger, Borger Queen. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's really funny. Uh, anyway. So yeah, that that's that's Owl House. Yeah, I don't. We don't want to get too much into details. Yeah. We want you to watch it yourself, but it's good. Yeah. This isn't. We, we did a little spoiling. I think we'll do big spoilers when the season is over. Yeah, um, we're gonna try not get into too many spoilers, but we did we did spoil some things. 
We did spoil some things, but you know, uh, we don't want to you know. apologize in advance for that. But it's been a couple of weeks since the episodes have aired. You probably have had a chance to see it. Yeah, by the time this goes up, it'll have been quite a. It'll probably been a God, month at least. A month at least, just due to how we post these. Yeah. As of as of the recording of this podcast, episode two went up not that long ago. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be kind of behind on things, I guess. But we have a bit know, of a buffer. It's better for us. Well, better for us. We sort of have buffer. I haven't edited in a while. You should probably start editing episode three soon. Yeah, I'm gonna. That that's my plan for next weekend because that's when episode that Monday is when episode three goes up. Yep. But anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, we're gonna take one more quick break, and when we get back. Uh, do cats dance? I don't know. I think they do. We'll find out. Yeah. Now, back to Acme Podcasts Incorporated. On Acme Podcasts Incorporated. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, if you would be so kind. Hmm. Got someone very special here. She's about to speak her mind. I got a song to sing. You don't like my song, I'm gonna sing it anyhow. Alright, Kai, I uh, took a survey, did some experimentation. And uh, in regards to the question I asked before we went on break... It turns out, uh, you know, all signs are pointing that cats don't dance. But, but that's, a, that's a travesty, is what that is. Yeah, but you know, I have a feeling by the end of this conversation, new data will pop up that will show otherwise that cats do dance. Mm, not just cats, all animals. Well, yes, but we're focusing on cats right now. So if anybody who hasn't figured it out yet, we're talking about Cats Don't Dance. 1997's Cats Don't Dance by Warner Brothers Animation. It was uh, it was fully produced by Turner Feature Animation before the merger with, one, yes. with Warner Brothers. Uh, yes. Basically during post-production was when this happened. So the movie mm. was pretty much already done when the merger uh, happened. And it um, takes place in 1939. During the, yes, uh, 1939. Yeah, during the golden age of film. Yes. And it, it stars uh, one Scott Vacula as Danny, an optimistic cat who's trying to achieve his dream of becoming a big movie star. And that's the basic premise of what this movie is about. For those who haven't seen it. Yep. And if you haven't seen it, go. Go see it. And, uh... I, I know Turner did all the animation, but it really feels like a Warner Brothers cartoon at times. I mean, yeah, it does. I'm not, you know. Um, I'm not going to disagree. Like, the animation... One of my notes is the animation has so much energy and character. Yeah. Especially in some of the expressions. And the choreography, which was all done by Gene Kelly before he passed. Yeah, rest in peace. The movie is dedicated to his memory. Yeah. Which I thought, you know, was 
before I found out that he did all the choreography for the movie, I thought it was just, you know, this is very much a uh, singing in the rain and that sort of stuff. You even get like a singing in the rain poster at the end. Yes. Also free Tilly. <laughs> That's my favorite one. Uh, I think the Beetlejuice one's my favorite. I thought it would be the Superman one. Superman one's good, but Superman one's good. Superman yeah. is my favorite, but yeah, I, I, I just like the Beetlejuice poster in general. So we're so. gonna try something a little different when talking about movies. We're gonna try and take the major story beats and kind of go from the beginning to the end so we can get a bit more yeah. granular. Uh, the movie immediately starts with the first song, pretty much. Like We get like yeah. a little narration intro thing about Danny and the, the villain, and then, bam, song. Right away. Our time yeah. has come. Who sung that? Because it sounds like Michael Bolton. Uh, let me, you know what, let me check. I couldn't I couldn't find that information anywhere. I'm sure we can I'm sure we could find this somewhere. How is that not written down in it? Well while you're looking that up, uh I'm gonna say that during that scene, the, the opening song. There's one point where Danny jumps and he literally lands in Gene Kelly's footprints. Oh, in the uh, like during the like the star walk thing. Yeah, uh, he literally lands in Gene Kelly's footsteps. And uh, oh. it's very fitting because if this had been a live action movie made 20, 30 years earlier, it would have been Gene Kelly because they have the same energy. So, the song was written, like many of the songs, by Randy Newman. Yep. And performed by James Ingram and Carney Wilson. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, God, this is, it's such a good song to start off this movie, too. It's probably yes. one of the best songs. It's probably one of the best songs in the movie. It, it's, a, it's a very good movie. Very good songs. I think they could have been better, but they are very good songs. Yeah, and even and the thing is that this movie doesn't stop because Rad for this song when Danny arrives, like he looks and he's like, "Bam, another song." Yeah, but this one is actually being sung by him, which is it's like the first actual like real show tune in the movie. Yeah, and this is where he meets Pudge, and we get all the uh, caricatures. Of celebrities that was yeah that that uh, that was in my notes where uh in true warner fashion whole lot of celebrity character characters from classic hollywood uh freaking um what's their name this comedy duo laurel and hardy yeah, laurel and hardy we got a uh, uh, clark gable and just a whole mess of them just a whole mess of them from that era of, like we yeah. there's like there's like a big poster for gone with the wind and it, that yeah. era of film and this is, I say, this is the big air quotes worst song in the movie, in my opinion. But it's still a good song. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Do you feel like Scott Bakula is a little stiff in it? Not singing wise. Not singing wise, but like the acting. Yeah, I just don't think he's given a lot to work with as a thing. Danny is a fine That's character, true. but he's really he's pretty flat. Yeah. All things, all things considered. Like the weakest aspect of this film is him as a character, but I mean that's he's not bad. He's just bland. I feel like with a better actor, because I know a lot of the times uh, in animation, especially in this era and before, they would kind of have sort of not a lot to work with, so the voice actor could sort of bring something of their own to the character to help flush it out yeah. and give it a more full performance. And I just feel like. I don't know how much Scott Bakula did of that in this well, movie. Originally, he was supposed to be played by Matthew Broderick. Originally. Oh. And they brought in Bakula. Originally. I see. Uh, same thing happened with Sawyer. Yeah, she was supposed to be voiced by someone else. Renee Zellweger. No, that's not what I saw. Yeah, that's what I saw. Renee Zellweger was cast to play Sawyer, but they went with Jasmine Guy. Her singing voice is the legendary uh, Natalie Jazz, Cole. Natalie Cole. Yeah, daughter of Nat King Cole. Who, Natalie Cole, in her own right, is a legend. A legend. Yeah. Um, we, the first two characters we see in this this sequence, we see Pudge and we see Sawyer in this song. Yeah. Introduced right away. That bit where he like is tapping on the. Uh, electrical line and she just looks out the window and the feather on her hat just burns away to a crisp that the face she makes i guess that there's a lot of really good faces in this movie and that's one of them yeah that the, the comedic timing of that is spot on yeah honestly. it it's all really good and so one thing i'll say but i i know we said we were gonna do the story beats and that's fine we can do broad stroke stuff too at the same time it's fine broad I we just don't. think, sorry. Go ahead. I just think this is a really tightly written movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's when I think about it, it feels very fast. It does. But when I was watching it, I didn't feel like it was fast. My, my, I think what it is is this is a, this is my sort of thing is like when you said I think you said this all podcast that this movie is pretty fast and I'm like yeah I can feel that but again what you're right watching it it doesn't because it has really good flow that's exactly what I'm trying to get at um cuz I feel like like when I just list the sequence of events in my head it, it feels like boom 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 yeah but when I think about you know that opening song leads to the office and nothing there feels rushed or uh, extra or missing. And then the office leads to the movie set. And then the movie set leads to Darla's house. And Darla's house leads back to the movie set. And so on and so forth. Yeah, it all flows perfectly. And the... yeah. This is a, a thing that should be... This is how most musicals should be, but not all of them are. In the sense that the songs help the story flow. Yes. Um, they, they add, as opposed to just, we need a song here because this is a musical, and we need an excuse to have a song. But it's also not the opposite, where it's just like, 
we have these songs. Let's just get the thinnest veil of a story to string them together. Yeah. It's, that's fair. Uh, because there's some musicals. Like, I'm not even talking about jukebox musicals, like ABBA or whatever. Not ABBA. Uh, um, Mamma Mia. Mamma Mia, which is an ABBA jukebox thing, yeah. Yeah, I'm not talking about movies like musicals like that. But there's some musicals I've seen where it's just like, this plot is just barely there so we could hear these songs. I mean, yeah. And then there's other ones where it's like, these songs are just here so it's a musical and not a play. Yep. And this falls right in that sweet spot of the music supports the story, the story supports the music. Mm -hmm. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. The You mentioned the office scene, and that that's the scene that happens right after fucking Wink is there. Yeah. That guy, he's clearly doing like the 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 uh, what's the word? Like for the auctioneer voice. Yeah. The soul. Yeah. There's there's a character like that in Letter Kenny. Yeah. Sorry, just bringing that back to something. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, the the fast talking agent. Yeah. God, who voices him? I'm looking, I'm looking at it. Right What's now. his name again? I oh, have Mr. the Wink. Uh, Mr. Wink. Oh, Frank Walker is voicing Mr. Wink. Yeah. Mr. Frank Walker. Mr. Megatron himself. Mr. Megatron himself. There's a lot of good voice actors in this. Or a lot of good actors, too. Scott Bakula, Jasmine Guy, Natalie Cole, Ashley Shh. Peldon, and Lindsay Ridgeway both do uh, Darla. John fucking Reese Davies. Yep. I love John Reese Davies. Kathy Najimy as Tilly. Uh, George Kennedy. Uh, Don uh, Knotts, as you mentioned earlier. Don Knotts. Hal Holbrook. Betty Lou Gerson. Those are two industry legends. D. Bradley Baker makes a cameo in this. Who's he in it? Uh, he he's Kong in that one sh that one scene. Oh, oh, don't get me started. That's Dave Bradley Baker. <laughs> hey, Kong, how's the movie going? Oh, don't get me started. Mm. <laughs> wow, you know the king? <laughs> uh, I do really enjoy the joke. My favorite joke in the the uh, the office was it's like, like what this pigsty? No offense, Frank. Not taken. <laughs> <laughs> and then make that joke again later. Yeah, it's a good callback. You're nothing but a pick. No offense, right? No, they could. <laughs> Bill Farmer's in it as additional voices. Oh, yeah. Neat. And Peter Renaday was the narrator at the beginning. Yeah. There's a lot of good people in this. It It's a very, very solid cast. Mm -hmm. uh, whoever was in charge of casting did a great job. Mm -hmm. I feel like they could have done better than Scott Bakula or Matthew Broderick. Uh, I, I mean, yeah. As we said, Danny's probably the weakest aspect of this film. Yeah, um, but he's also the driving force. For he a is lot the is the driving force because he's he's the optimistic. He's the the Kevin Bacon of you know. They should have just gotten Kevin Bacon. God, I would have loved that. <laughs> I would have. I love Kevin Bacon as a cat. <laughs> I love Kevin Bacon. I do too. He was probably too big a star at this point. Yeah. What was Scott Bakula doing? 
Uh, fucking what's that show? Quantum Leap was way over at this point. Yeah, he was doing nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, Don Knotts wasn't doing much either. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Don Knotts was old. Operation Dumbo Drop 4. <laughs> or whatever the fuck. I go fault. Uh, but anyway, the and now that the next major story beat is them getting to the studio to play their parts in it with Sawyer and Danny, and then we get the villain of the movie, Darla Dimple, uh, Shirley Temple, uh, look alike. What a who, uh, just who hates animals but has to put on the face of loving animals. What a fucking amazing. You cut out there. What a fucking what a amazing idea for a villain. Yeah, it it's a really good idea for a villain because this was still during the time where we were all seeing those Shirley Temple video commercials. Oh god, don't even remind me. <laughs> Public this television. Was... Shirley Temple all in one giant Giant collection for you. Animal crackers in my soup. Just over and over and over this again. 1997. Uh, oh, probably God. 98 for the video release. Because mm-hmm. it had a abysmal uh, theatrical release. Yes, it was. It had a budget of like 32 million and only made six at the box office. Yeah, it, it was the bomb. It was also shelved multiple times. Yeah, and it's, it's a, in its original incarnation, it was supposed to star Michael Jackson. Yeah, it was supposed to be a vehicle for Michael Jackson's songs and choreography and stuff. Yeah, and it just kept getting changed. And there's one point where they wanted to change. <clears throat> Sorry, it's going to take a sip of water. It's fine. <clears throat> there's one point where they're going to try to where. Uh, one of the studio heads changed out, and this happened multiple times, but the new one that came in at this point was like, hey, how about instead of 1939, we make it the 50s and make it rock and roll? That would have been fine, too. No, everything was like that. This was like a breath of fresh air in a sea of 50s yeah. nostalgia. Yeah. We didn't need another Grease. Yeah. Uh, or another Rock-A-Doodle. We'll get to Rock-A-Doodle at some point. I'm sure. Yeah. For the record, Rock and Duel was another one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. It, it was one of those ones I kept renting over and over. Um, but God. but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, fifties nostalgia was like done in the nineties. I think like it was. Yeah, it dominated the seventies and the eighties. It was at its peak during that time, and then it just kind of let petered out. Yeah. I think it would have been an even bigger flop in the 90s if it had been a 50s flick. Yeah, you're not wrong. But the the other aspect of Darla's character that's really strong is, like, it's Darla, and then she has her giant fucking butler. Yeah. Max. That's Max. Who is yes. Mark Dindle. Oh, yes. Mark Dindle was uh, one of the creators. He was one of the, like, writers or animators. Mm-hmm. And his was a fill track originally, just until they found something and they decided to stick with him. Yes, Miss Dimple. It's he's clearly supposed to be like Lurch. Yeah. You groaned. <laughs> a German version of uh, 
Lurch. Yeah, Lurch. Supposed to be Lurch. I remembered when I watched Spider-Verse, when I saw fucking Kingpin, all I could think of was this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I see that. Just big, huge man. How does the kitty cat go? Good kitty. (laughs) Smashes him. (laughs) Will that be all, Miss Dimple? Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, Just that bit where she's like getting on the director, like, like, oh, you're the best, Darla. I am an angel. <laughs> He's just like, Ooh. let's all the again the expressions. Yeah, so, mm, the, so expressive. The expression work and the animation for the the character animation specifically in this movie is top notch. Yeah, just mm, mm. the next big number is. Uh, it's called I've Got Rhythm, isn't it? Something like that. Something like that, I think. My favorite aspect of this bit is every time that he gives a musical instrument to a character, they they are less sepia toned. Yeah, I I had that in my notes too. I really liked how they played with color saturation. Yeah, and like a lot of times, like this isn't an original concept this no, movie it's not. it's not uh you see it a lot where like as like as characters get like their creativity or their their spark back they their color becomes more rich and less uh desaturated mm-hmm. um but usually they don't go back and forth with it but this movie it does like i remember like a scene where it's like it goes on and off, on and off, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Specifically, Sawyer. Like Sawyer is yes. he's saturated, and then she becomes saturated, and then the song ends, and she becomes desaturated again. My favorite bit of that is when she's like, "Yeah, it's she just is like she stops living the dream," and then she steps away and she's desaturated again, and then Danny says something, and just like he says, "Like you used to be used to dream like that too." And then for like a half a second, she's saturated again. Yeah. And then she's desaturated again. Oh, it's heart crushing. It's very good. Uh, I did want to mention the scene before this, which was where they met Wooly. Yes. Was by John Rhys Davies, which is a very important scene because it sort of sets up the whole idea. It, it, it's how Danny finds out about everyone's crushed dreams. Yes. And Which, also sets oh, up the whole. No, it sets up the race allegory in this movie. Yes, yes. The spotlight it does. will ne- the spotlight will never shine like people like you and I. You know? Yeah, and so I had a gut reaction at this point, or not at this point, but this point created a gut reaction in me when I was watching the credits, mm-hmm. and they dedicated it to Gene Kelly. Yes. Um. I, I just had this gut reaction of like with the message they're telling in this movie, I feel like it should have been dedicated to the Nicholas brothers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they were the ones who basically taught Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and a lot of like golden age of Hollywood, not gold, 
sixties Hollywood stars how to do the tap dancing. Yep. And they were completely overshadowed in their careers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just So I had an issue with that, but then, you know, I'd researched and it was like, okay, it's dedicated to him because he did all the choreography and then he died. Yeah. It's, 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 it felt appropriate to dedicate it to him. Yeah. It's dedicating it to someone that the creators worked with and were became friends with almost, I'd say. Mm -hmm. So it, but I, I really feel like it should have been to the Nicholas brothers because I feel like, that's who this movie's really talking about. Yeah, no, I understand that sentiment for sure. Uh, uh, sorry, for context, the Nicholas brothers were a pair of uh, African American dancers uh, yeah, in yeah. the 30s and 40s who were hands down the best tap dancers ever. Yeah, but because they were black, yeah, they, they didn't, didn't get, get a lot of play. They didn't get the credit they deserved. Yeah. You know, or the exposure they deserved. Yeah, the exposure they deserved, and they didn't get anything they deserved, really. Yeah, but yeah, the, 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 yes. Before anyone says it, this movie did the animal race allegory. Zootopia did. Before Zootopia did, you cut out there. It, Be- it did the race allegory. Yeah. Yeah. Before Zootopia. Yeah. And honestly, I think it does it better. It's a little more subtle. Just a little. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a hair's inch more subtle. It's still pretty. Zootopia is like getting hit in the face with a baseball bat. Yeah. This is maybe more like getting hit in the face with a, a bopum soccer. Yeah. Sockum bopper. Sockum bopper. That's yeah. More fun than a pillow fight. Yep. Blow them up. Put your hand. Okay. I can't. I'm not. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> No, no, now I have that in my head. Um, sock and bopper, sock and bopper. The only other one that gets stuck in my head more is Crossfire. Oh, I always got Moon Shoes. God, Moon Shoes. Or Skip It. Skip oh, it, skip, skip it. it. <laughs> now, we're just, now we're just reliving nostalgia. We're just... Pandering to '90s nostalgists. You like this? You like this, kids? Is this this is the thing that people like now? The '90s nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, except uh, not kids. You like this thirty-year-olds? You, you like, like this forty-year-olds? You like this millennials? <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm 29. Yeah, I'm diving. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. and then the next story beat is like you mentioned, Darla's going to the Darla's house. And I love that she never says Danny's name right once. Yeah. Nice to meet you, Donald. Yeah. Also, this is my favorite song in the movie. Big and Loud. I was going to ask what your favorite song in the movie was. I'll say what mine is when we get to it. Big and Loud, but specifically the reprise. The evil version of Big and Loud. The, it's a good villain song. Yeah, it it's. Can you think of a better villain song? I mean, I really like Friends on the Other Side from 
Princess yeah. and the Frog. Okay. Yep. Keith David, Friends on the Other Side, Princess and the Frog. Yep, yep, okay. That's a better villain song, absolutely. Yeah. This is a close second, though. Definitely. For sure. That's the best song in that movie, too. Hands down. It's the best song in that movie. Which isn't fair because there's only actually there's only hot takes. There's only two good songs in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. In this movie? No, in in Princess and the Frog. No, I disagree entirely. Okay, well, what's the other good song? The two good songs are Franz on the Other Side and Tiana's song. Those are the only two good songs. I like all of them. I think the others are completely superfluous. That doesn't make them bad songs. Maybe bad show tunes. Well, that's my thing. Is like I think just <sighs> okay, 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 okay. I don't okay, even okay. and they're just they're okay. They're not. No, terrible. you you know why um, my Angeline is important. Uh huh. It makes you care about him when he dies. I mean, yeah, but. It is important, but that doesn't make it a it good make, song. It makes his sacrifice matter. It does. That doesn't mean I have to like the song. <laughs> How can you not like Jim Cummins singing I in, just a, don't in a Louisiana like, accent? I just don't. <laughs> I don't like that song. I don't hate it. Take it if we're going to take you down. You got to dig a little deeper. All right, we <sighs> fine. Whatever. Listen, I you don't know want what? to tell you. You know what? You cannot like it because I don't think there are any good songs in Anastasia. All right. All yeah. right. All right. We each get one, okay? Okay, that's fine. I said there were two good songs in that movie, but okay, sure. I'll fight you. Like, listen, I'll I'll give you that some of those songs aren't great. But I'll fight anyone to the death over Once Upon a December. Fine, whatever. You know, let's get back to Cats Don't Dance. Yeah, that's just fucking <laughs> strong show tune opinions on this podcast. Yeah. Oh boy. But anyway, uh, yeah, Big and Loud is it's a really good song. It's not my favorite song in this movie. Probably my second favorite song in this movie. Okay. How close are we to your favorite song? Uh, is, is there another song? The next song is... What is the next song? A good question. Tell Me Lies? Tell Me Lies? Yeah. Sawyer song? Oh, yeah. That's a good song. That's my favorite song in this movie. That's a real good song. I'm sorry. I, I heard when you said tell me lies. I heard tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. That's I don't think the song. tune's right. It's a difference. It's, it's a radio yep. song. Yeah, but no, that that's my favorite song in this movie. Yeah. Sawyer's song. Natalie King. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it also has some of the best. It's, it has some of the best visual stuff. Yes. The background work and that whole sequence is fantastic it's really good it oh, it's just overall really good yeah this is the this is the sort of the third act fall of the movie yeah 
it it's our hero is jaded downtrodden downtrodden uh after being bamboozled by darla bamboozled can you think of another good no, word no 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 i like bamboozled it's a fun word i'm just it's this is not a word i get to use a lot and i'm glad you used it okay bam okay okay so he was uh good word he uh darla rooked the crook <laughs> Uh, I do want to say I did like that one shot where she drives by and you see Max and he's just like in the limo and it's just he's so much bigger than the fucking car yeah I think I'm hearing an echo me? me I think I'm hearing my voice I only hear you once I keep hearing me Hmm. whatever Anyway, maybe it's just me on my end. I don't know. Keep talking. Oh, well, oh, well, yes. Mm -hmm. I do it. Testing, testing. One, two, three. Has this made it better? Yeah, I I don't hear it now. Okay. Here's hoping that didn't pick up the whole time. You can edit it out because it would be if it was an echo, it probably might have been echoing from side. Probably we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, but anyway, anyway um, that yeah, this is the the like Max is just he's so big that like the 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 limo he's just like sticking all the way out of it like ten feet in in the air. <laughs> and he's got the little he's got the the fucking driver's outfit and the little hat. Yeah, it's very good. Um, and then we get again, like I said, Tommy lies, and then we get the slow rise. And we get the scene that I think most people know this movie for, which is um, Can't Stop Us Now. Yeah. Nothing's going to stop us now, rather. Yeah. It's funny. Like, that's a really good scene, but it's not the one that always stuck out in my head. No, but a lot of people seem to remember that. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good scene. For some reason, the one I always remembered was the um, the studio flooding and the arc. Yeah. Yeah, I the, there's a there are a couple of bits that I remember very vividly. Like we're pushing, we're pushing, we're running, we're running. <laughs> and then the bit where they're arguing about how to pull the ship is like, uh, uh, can we just we like will you stay out of this? Oh, all right. Just <laughs> like oh, Mr. Mammoth Christ, Mr. Mammoth Christ, I'm Tilly That all yeah, the whole scene. It's great. Yeah. Um, but um, who voices LB Mammoth? Uh, I have that up. It is George Kennedy. Ah, yeah, yeah. Simple, simple. Just like like everybody just pauses when he raises a hand. Yeah, he's a the most caricature looking character. I think he's definitely. He's probably based on somebody. Uh, MGM. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Because, I mean, Wooly Mammoth is like supposed to be the lion. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. Um, And then we get the big sequence with all the movie poster parodies, and that's pretty much how the movie ends. Yeah. 
surely like freaking Darla gets her comeuppance because she I should have taken care of you when I flooded the stage and everybody hears that she's a little evil little thing and then it's like oh well down you go yep. we, we do get sort of a climax with Danny and Max but it's like you know it's, it's, it's a comedy it's following the classic comedy rules of uh, no one dies and someone gets married yeah pretty much so you know Comedies have to end in romance. Get the girl. Yeah. Check. <laughs> and yeah, and I guess I would get all the parody posters, but then there's not much. And that's pretty much how the movie goes. I'm trying to think if there was any other like big swathing notes that I had. Um, I already said that there. I think I don't think there are any bad songs in this movie. Yeah, there's no bad songs in it. Um, like like I said, they're all good. I just think some of them could have been better. Mm-hmm. Um, the but Randy Newman better. does quality work. He does. Um, it was supposed to be like Roger Rabbit, where it was like partially live action, partially animated. I would have loved that. Yeah, but that was when it was in the uh, Michael Jackson phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, mm. yeah, well, you know, but anyway, um, but I, I, this movie, both for both of us, I think holds a special place in our hearts. Yeah. I, I feel like every, I just remember renting a lot one summer. Yeah. Like it was like this and rock a doodle. Yeah, I feel that. I down just... to the blockbuster. God. <laughs> God, we're old. Be seven year old and walk into the children's section and see like, ooh, cats don't dance. Okay. Yeah. Me, then... renting, me renting that Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Oh, man. I think this movie it deserved better just in general. And it still does because it still hasn't gotten uh, HD up-res. No, it hasn't. Mainly because still... it, was such a, it was a flop, you know? Yeah. It's... It did really well on home video, but not in the box office. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. Kind of a cult classic now. I'm glad someone likes it. We do. I'm glad someone besides us likes it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's fair. Um, I'm glad you I'm glad you like it as much as I do. Yeah. I, I was really afraid it wasn't gonna hold up uh to my memories, vague mm. as they were. Yeah, yeah. But no, it, it was even better than I remembered. Because I really only remembered the the arc. Yeah. Most of this movie is very vivid in my mind because I watch it again occasionally just to watch it again. This was the first time I'd seen it since I was maybe eight. Wow. Yeah. So. Long time. I Here's the thing about it. It's one of those movies where like I don't know if I would put it in my top ten, so to speak. But mm. I'd put it. If I had a top 15, maybe. You know what I mean? Like, it's... 
I don't think I could put it over other movies just objectively, but it holds a real. I have a soft spot for it. Yeah. Um, Hold on. <coughs> okay. Sorry. It's fine. Um. Yeah. I. I don't think. It would be in like a top ten or even top fifteen for movies, but it would definitely be top ten for animated. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite musicals. Yeah, it would make top fifteen for musicals. Might make top ten for me. Maybe even top five. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. For those who want to know, my favorite musical is Pirates of Penzance. Of course. It's good. Yeah. Which is the one with the, uh, I am the very model of a modern that's, major general. That's Pirates of Penzance. Okay, good. That, that's not my favorite song in that uh, play, but... Yeah. I, I feel like that's just the most well-known song from musicals. Yeah, my favorite <laughs> is uh, with Cat Light Tread. Okay. Cat Light Tread upon a prey we steal. Anyway. Very good song. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have very strong, more strong show tune opinions when we start talking about more animated musicals. Uh, maybe you will. I don't, my, my strongest opinions apparently are I don't think Don Bluth movies had good musicals mm-hmm. or had good show tunes. I feel like a lot of their songs were afterthoughts. I will um, I, again. I'll agree with you, except for Once Upon a December. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you Once Upon a December. I was heated before heated gamer moment there. He, it's he just had a heated gamer moment. Yeah, I had a heated gamer moment. Decided no, uh, no, no. I might change my opinion. Yeah. I might change my opinion about Princess and the Frog if we when when and if we watch it again because it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, I. I feel like with a lot of Disney movies, you could get away without any of the show tunes. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are necessary. They actually move the plot forward. But other ones, it's just like, we have to do musicals because this is we. This is what we do. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm okay with that. Because I just like songs in my I movies. Do, I do too, but it's like... If you're making a musical, the song should serve a purpose yes i i agree i i feel like i give movies a slide on that more it's fine uh than i would like a stage production Mm -hmm. uh yeah i don't know i'm I'm not the biggest musical theater guy i really like musical theater I, i love listening to show tunes yeah um I think that's probably why I'm more forgiving because I just listen to mm-hmm. the Princess and the Frog soundtrack a lot because I like those songs. I have strong musical theater opinions, and so does a mutual friend of ours. Uh, mutual friend of ours? Yes. She has strong musical theater opinions. Okay. You know the one. Kate? Yes, Kate. Oh yeah, Kate. Yeah, Kate. <laughs> Kate was involved in theater. So yeah, I was also in theater. I never was. I wanted to so bad, but my mom was like, "You'll have a hard time remembering lines," and I was like, "Yeah, that sounds like me." <laughs> <laughs> oh, at least she was. At least she was honest. Yeah, 
I can appreciate honest. I can appreciate brutal honesty. I well, thinking about me, thinking about it now, I don't think I would have. Mm-hmm. Because I know now I wouldn't. I I can get that, and I did do acting in high school. Hold on. <coughs> ah. Sorry, I'm trying to drink water, but no, it's fine. It, it's gonna happen. Bodily functions and all that. Yeah. Um. Back to it. Okay. Um. Yeah i I did act in high school. I was in a. I've told you this before. I was in TV production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we did like a lot of sketch comedy in that. Mm-hmm. And so yep. that, and we had personal projects, and I would act in the personal projects. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I did have to do like line remembering, but I would do a lot of ad libbing. Yeah, I'm very good at that. Yeah. Uh, I feel like in a drama class, I wouldn't get away with ad-libbing. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like most of what you do in drama class is like Shakespeare or something. No. No? Okay. I don't know. I mean, one of the... one of the, For, like, one of the big semesters was about... um, What's it called? Not ad-libbing, the other word for it. Uh, improv? Yeah, it was about improv. Oh. We did a whole fucking semester on improv. God, that sounds fun as hell. It was. It's where I where I got all of my improv skills. That and uh, LARPing. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I'm not gonna get into that. Yeah. Uh, let, let's stay on topic here. So, yeah, um... I don't have any. Yeah, I don't have too much else to say about Cats on Dance other than go watch it. It's good. Maybe well, they'll get a. Maybe hopefully it'll get an HD release sometime. Hopefully, but to conclude our scientific discussion, I believe after new evidence has, that has cropped up in this conversation, yes, cats do indeed, in fact, quite so dance. Hypothesis says cats dance. Cats dance. Not hypothesis. The hypothesis was cats. Don't dance. Ah, but thanks to new findings, we've discovered that, in fact, cats, cats do dance. Cats do dance. Yes. And after this, we'll figure out, can you be a hero? Man, that's not a bad segue. No, let me take a crack at it. Go ahead. Well, after this short, uh, yeah, I got nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, no, we have no segue. We're going to No, actually, about- no, I've got a segue. Okay, go. Hey, Kai. Yes. After this break, how about uh, Let's Be Heroes? Let's do that. Yeah. Fight to That's the end. That's not really a great segue either. No, we'll, we'll fight. We'll, we're talking about the finale of OKKO. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we'll fight to the end. You are we'll my be best here. friend. Yes. Yes. See you then. And welcome back, everybody, uh, to our final segment. Uh, well, second to last segment, because we got plugs and shit. Plugs and possibly hinting at what we're going to do next time. Maybe. Uh, so... Hey, hey Laser, what's the word of the day? Vindication! Vindication!
vacation. <laughs> I fucking uh, called it. You now you know how I felt when the show was airing. Oh, I called it so hard. Yeah. Called and it's it not so like they made it difficult to see. No, they didn't, but it feels nice to have called it. Yeah. Without having foreknowledge. You know? Yeah. So I took one note mm-hmm. throughout all of season three of KO. Mm-hmm. And it's just Dragon said gay rights. Yeah. Dragon said gay rights. Dragon becomes a rainbow. Dragon said gay rights. Also, uh, Rad said gay rights because yeah. he says, I support this. Yep. <laughs> and by proxy, Ian Jones quarterly says gay rights. Well, yes. Oh, God. So I have, I have several notes. Um, my biggest one is that I, because the season is so short and because they had to wrap up a lot of stuff, yeah, it's there rushed. are. There are only two episodes in this whole season that don't feel important. Yeah. In terms of plot. It's a very dense season. It's thick and dense. Like a chocolate cake. Or, like, steak. Steak. A nice steak. Oh, man, I want steak. Well, I better get the propane fired up. Because you want the meat, not the heat. Yeah, I want the meat, not the heat. All you know. What if someone asks for their steak well done? We politely ask them to leave. <laughs> uh, I always because... hated that line. <laughs> Me, the meat, not the heat. No, the uh, politely ask them to leave. I I love that line. Kosher laws dictates meat has to be cooked well done. Can't have any pink in it. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. That's fair. So yeah. I think because there's no not one a knows system. that though. I don't hold that against Mike Judge. No, that's fair. I think yeah. because there's only like two episodes that aren't important to the plot. Maybe we can like go in order. Of yeah, sure. Uh, let, let's pull up an episode list. Yeah, I I, I just I just did. Okay, cool. Then let so, me pull one up for myself. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. It feels like pretty much every single episode in this is important, whether it be to the plot or to the characters. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it's either the last little bit of character development we get, or it's more plot development. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, I'm good to go. So, first episode is, as you mentioned, Dragon said gay rights. Yeah. We we are heroes. And this is when we finally see KO, Rad, and Eated. Like, coming from coming off of the season two finale, is they're real heroes now. Yup. Professionals. With secret missions. Secret missions. And this episode is mostly about KO. And, like... He's, it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting thing to think about that, like, at the beginning of the show, it's like, I want to be a hero. And he's like, I am one now. And being introspective. Yeah. About it. Like, what's his shtick, you know? What, yeah, am I, am I even a hero? He has super empathy. And that's, that's, mm -hmm. yeah. He has shown an anime protagonist power. Mm. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. 
<laughs> he has Naruto powers. Yeah, Naruto and uh, Luffy. Luffy, yeah. Goku. I'm sorry, I, I just want to jump off a little bit. No, go ahead. Midoriya doesn't really show that much. No, because oh, because of the thing about Hero Academia is that all of its villains are bad. <laughs> yeah, that's a good bad. point. They're bad to the core. There's no like the only one, the only quote unquote villain who villain who gets a redemption arc is is fucking Bakugo. Yeah, and I feel like they're trying to give Endeavor a bit of a redemption yeah, arc now. Uh, I I really don't want to get into that. I have lots of feelings about that. No one wants it except the creator. I don't want that. He's the, like it's like Bakugo. I can live with because he's a teenager. Like yeah. he's, he's made he's like he's a teenager. Of course, he's going to be a shit a shit hit. That guy is a grown ass man. Yeah, he's, he's not made, a good person. He's made his bed and he has to sleep in it. The only reason I like Endeavor isn't has nothing to do with his character. It's just it's the parallel between him and Bakugo and uh, Midoriya Todoroki. and All Might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, fair. not Todoroki. Mm. Todoroki, I feel, falls more into the Eraserhead category. Because mm. well, let's, let's, now let's, isn't the time, but I, I have to get this time. off my chest. Okay, have to get fine. it off my chest. Fine. Go ahead. Midoriya and Bakugo. Yes. Have a rivalry. Yes. All Might and Endeavor have an have a rivalry and they have the same personalities in their generations. Bakugo's an asshole, but he's a hero. Yeah. And Endeavor is a piece of shit. Yes. But he believes in justice. Mm-hmm. But he's just a big piece of shit. He also believes in eugenics. Yeah, that too. Well, I said he's a big piece of shit. Yeah, he's a big piece of shit. Also, he's a he's a fucking child abuser. Yeah. Fuck him. Which anyway. falls under big piece of shit. Yeah, sorry. It, it's just I like it because it's parallels between the generations. You know that's that's fair, but yeah, we can probably talk more about that maybe when we talk about Aheroaka. Yeah, that's a shonen that's early enough in that we could. We could. We could <laughs> talk about it individually in terms of the anime. We could talk about the seasons because it's actually split up into seasons, unlike most shonens. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway. Uh, okay. Okay. Ko. But yeah, we do find out that he, it's like he's trying to figure out what he has, and it's just. You have empathy, KO. Yep. I mean, it's like, do I just punch things? No. He and understands things and punches things. Yes. Like a shonen anime protagonist. <laughs> we if what was that fucking that shit they say in G Gundam? Let's uh let's express ourselves through our fists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the next episode is like re- leading right after that because it's like they're a hero team, but do they have a name? It's Kao Rad and Enid. Kao Rad and Enid. Yeah. It's just about like you don't need a gimmick and you're who you are, who you are. But they try to find gimmicks and they can't agree on one, so they split up and then they end up back together gimmickless and it works. I feel like that this, this whole story arc probably would have been half a season. If this show hadn't got canceled, I could see that, and I would have hated it. I think. Yeah, I also would have hated it. I would um, have hated them splitting up for that long. 
Yeah, I. You know what? I disagree because I don't think it would have been half a season. Could have been. It could have been like the uh, point prep thing where it was like a short story arc. Yeah, that I'll agree with. Yeah, that would have worked better that way. Like five, six episodes, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and right after that is TKO rules. More TKO stuff, and this is. This is a heavy episode at the end, honestly. Yeah. Like, he uh, makes a harsh decision. And he's not happy about it either. It, this is a, it's, weird, it's weird seeing KO... How do I put this? Like, Well, he's reacting like a 6 to 11-year-old would react. I mean, it's a, honestly, it's a fair thing to do, considering. Yeah. It's like, I thought we were friends. And, you know, I'm kind of glad that if honestly, I was going to say this, but it, it did feel like the TKO stuff was kind of resolved early on. But it's like, I feel like there's more there. And I'm glad that. Yeah, of course more. there is more because, you know, it. it, it it's a very complex matter. Mm-hmm. And I think they handle really well. Yeah. I don't think KO handled it really well, but well, I think he's... the writers handled it really well. Yeah. By displaying it in a way that the character's not handling it well. Yeah, because he's a child. Yeah. He's a um, he is, he's baby. Yeah. And it, it, it's about I mean, obviously it's about dealing with rage. Yeah, and, and your own dealing with your own issues. Yeah. And it it's a perfect metaphor for any sort of mental issue or mm-hmm. brain issue, de- depression, anxiety. TKO is an amalgamation of all of those. All of KO is negative stuff. Yeah. And instead of trying to deal with it, he bottles it up, which you shouldn't do. And then he suppresses it. Yeah, he suppresses it as opposed to trying to express it and talk about it. Yeah. But he's a child, you know, he doesn't. That's what kids would... do. They and also, shit out. also adults still also adults do that too. Yeah. It's not just a kid thing. Yeah. And it it's this of course the big plot of this whole season is trying to wrap up all of that and the venomous stuff, but we'll get into that. Uh next episode is one you mentioned the last time because you thought it was in season two. Yeah. I made a mistake. But it's fine. chips damage. Chips damage, by the way. Such a funny, it's a fun, I like that pun. Yeah. Because, you know. Because yeah, uh, he's chip damage, but he's got damage. He's got damage, also chip damage, because fighting games. Yeah. Anyway. And this is about following up on the plot point of Chip being a being robot. Being a robot. Yeah. And Elodie and KO having an episode together, which was cool. Yeah, because uh, she's been kind of rude to him in the past. Yeah, and also kind of been exclusively hanging out with Enid. Yeah, because you know, I mean, the, I mean, it makes sense. They're besties. Yeah, frenemies, really. Frenemies. I think is the best word. They're, They're friendly rivals. That that's the best way to describe it. Gary and Ash after season one. <laughs> yeah, you know, not even Gary and Ash. Um, red and green in Pokemon Sun and Moon. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. 
We mean red and blue, rather. Red? No, green. It's blue. His name is Blue. Blue's the girl. No, green is the girl. Blue no. is the girl. No, her name is Blue in the manga. Oh, okay. Yes. I know. That's confusing, right? Oh, God. Fuck Pokemon. I love Pokemon, but fuck Pokemon. I love Pokemon. I hate Pokemon. Both of my true feelings. I just... You'd think as someone who's read comics for as long as I have, I'd be fine with multiple continuities. <laughs> but for some reason, Pokemon having multiple continuities just causes endless anger in me. It's a plot point in one of the games that there are multiple continuities. <sighs> Which game? Sun and Moon. Because we meet the alternate reality, because there's a one reality where Mega Evolution exists and one where it doesn't. And we see... You know how there's Archie and uh, what's his name from fucking Ruby and Sapphire? We see the ones from the original games and not the ones from the remakes. And they meet their alternate reality selves when we meet the original Giovanni, not the ones from the not the one from the remake. <laughs> oh no. Does that hurt you physically? It wounds me. Too bad. Oh, too bad. Fuck this. That's a, plot, that's a plot point. In Pokemon either, sucks. And it's either in Omega Ruby, the the, the DLC, or it's in Sun and Moon. I can't remember. <sighs> anyway, we have to focus. Yeah. Okay. Ko. Tko. Chips damage. Yes. Chips damage. And this is another step towards Ko's journey. Really. Yeah. Because it's like he basically worshipped Chip. He was his hero. Yeah. The one he wanted to model himself after other than Mr. Gar. Yeah. And so did Elodie. Which I think is nice. Yeah. I was... Did you know a forum poster by the name? (laughs) (laughs) Damaged Princess something or other. Something 9999 or something? Yeah, 999. Wait, yeah, I watched, I read all of her posts. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's just nice having Elodie and KO connecting as characters, and I wish yeah. we had more of that. Yeah, I feel like we would have gotten that more in a season four. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we would have gotten. So this is related, but a little bit off on mm-hmm. Twitter, uh, Mr. Quarter Quartery. Quarterly, 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 quarterly. I, I can't. I, I think it's quarterly. <sighs> hold on. Just hold on. Lay. Hold up. Mm. Cordy. Cordy. There's no L. Okay, Mr. Mr. Cordy. Jones Cordy. Uh, had been posting things like, if I was to do an OKKO spinoff, what should it be? Yeah. Uh, there was like an older KO and uh, something about Venomous and. Uh, no, Venomous and. Uh, Boxman? Boxman, like a how they got back together type thing. Oh, I would have. Uh, yeah. Uh, mm. All the options he presented were really good. Man. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find that later for you. It was a it was a poll. Nice. Uh, that poll's long over by now, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he and it just got me thinking. Oh God, I really hope they do something 
Maybe. We might get a comic. Yeah, I could see a comic. I could um, see a comic happening. I'd like to see not adult KO, but teenage, like teenage KO. Like young adult KO. Yeah, young like KO when he's Rad Nina's age. Yeah, I want that too. The prime. Yeah. I want like that. before he becomes Mr. Gar 2.0. Yeah, before he becomes <laughs> Mr. Gar 2.0, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, which is fitting. So fitting. It is very fitting. Um, and then the next episode sets up another plot thing, which is KO versus Fink. And that's, their rivalry. Not only their rivalry, but like setting up the fact that like she's jealous yeah. of the fact that KO has a parent. Yeah. And he she considers Venomous her dad. And Venomous is Well, she'll never Ven- admit that she considers him her dad. Never. Cause he's just the boss. The boss. He's my boss, not my dad. But he yeah. is though. He's your dad. Yeah. And I'm sure we would have gotten more details about that if again the see if this show had gone on longer. Because we did see a flashback of Fink. In a in like the garbage as an orphan. Yeah, I'm sure we would have gotten more about that. I would have loved to get in a little more depth on Fink. Yeah, I would too. But again, it's there's a lot of things I can forgive because there's only so much they could do. Yeah, it this isn't on Mr. Cordy's no. Mr. Jones Cordy's head. This he is Cartoon Network's fault. Yeah, he did what he could. Yeah, the next episode is fucked up. <laughs> The KO trap, yeah. yeah. I really hate this episode. I hated it when it aired, and I hate it now. I barely got through it. It's fucked up, man. <sighs> yeah. It's like the goo clones, and we have to show that Venomous is fucking evil. Yeah, like he's like show the difference between him and Boxman. Yeah, he's not petty. Yeah, Boxman's petty villain. They call it out. He's petty villainy. He enjoys Ven- petty villainy, the day-to-day Venomous stuff. Is, Venomous is evil. Yeah, Venomous is evil. And it's hard to tell where him and shadowy Venomous end. Where one begins and the other ends. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about there, I think. There definitely is. Because I think Venomous... Venomous evil or shadowy venomous very has no good side no shadowy venomous is by the way this is you know what let, fuck it I don't, I don't care that we're skipping ahead it, we're gonna just we're gonna do it anyway but the i did not call i called venomous being the dad i yeah. didn't call shadowy venomous being an alter ego that venomous wasn't aware of i did not expect that like he like he didn't even know yeah, shadowy no, existed that that part i didn't that part surprised me as well yeah, I feel like that would have been a big season ender reveal if we again we had gotten more stuff. Yeah, well, like Boxman says, we were going to draw this out. We were going to draw this out for a whole another season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wait, weren't we gonna? I love that he knew. That yeah. Dad, and he's just like, wait, I thought, weren't, were we gonna draw this out more? Are we all right? We're doing this now, huh? Yeah. He has the worst timing about this whole thing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, shadowy venomous, shadowy, sorry, shadowy figure, Professor Venomous, and laser blast 
all the same person. Yeah. And they're all KO's dead. They're all KO's dead. I am your father, KO. Yeah. Gotta make the Star Wars joke. Yeah. And then Shadowy Figure and Professor Venomous fuse their personalities into Shadowy Venomous. Because it's sort of like perfect KO. Yeah. And it's very unclear. Like, it's... If, like... Because we know that Shadowy can take over Venomous when he wants. So it's very unclear when it's Venomous and when it's Shadowy sometimes. And it's like, yeah. when when does it stop being Venomous and when does it start being Shadowy? Because cl- clearly Venomous has his standard. Yeah, because but... I, I feel like Venomous... I feel like a lot of the neglectful things we see out of Venomous is a reaction to him being tired all the time from venomous taking from a shadowy Shadowy. taking over hold on i don't i don't want to absolve him (laughs) sorry yeah i don't want to absolve him either but it it's it's unclear yeah um like it's clear at times he's actually trying to connect with ko yeah very much so and he tries to look out for Fink. You know, he provides her with stuff. Yeah, he cares about her, clearly. Yeah. At least regular like, Venomous does. Yeah, but Shadowy Venomous doesn't. Shadowy Venomous just cares about Glorbs. Yeah, Shadowy Venomous is... It's like we talked about with KO and TKO. He is everything bad about himself. Yeah. Amplified. Yeah. He's his desire to have power again. More than anything. Which is... which Okay. I don't think saying he's everything bad about KO is fair. Mm. I think he's just the more dangerous aspects of KO's personality. Yeah. Because ambition isn't in itself bad. bad. Yeah. The desire yeah. for power isn't necessarily bad, but going full Virgil is. Yeah. I need more power. Yeah. It's like that thing in Common Rider O's. <laughs> anyway. I haven't watched those. So it's it's all about how greed is inherent yeah. to humanity. Yeah. But it's but it's not always a bad thing. Yeah. Because anyway. ambition if you didn't have ambition, nothing would get done. Exactly. But there's also such a thing as too much of ambition. Exactly. And um Venomous, shadowy venomous specifically is too much ambition yes it's like he felt we find that that was laser blasts like he felt we found out that he never felt good enough yeah which again ties him back to ko in a way ko for a long time didn't feel good enough yeah some of that's baked into you yeah and we get there's a lot to unpack Also, not necessarily just baked into you. Some of that's just the human experience. It is. It really is the human experience. Imposter syndrome and all that. Mm-hmm. But um. Uh, but back to Ko versus Fink. Yeah, uh, okay. that there's. Like I said, there's a lot there with Fink. Clearly, her being bullying Ko for being a quote-unquote mama's boy is just being jealous. Yeah. Like I wish he was like that for me. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, sad. 
think is the most tragic and interesting character. Yeah. And I felt like we would have got more of her. Yeah. But we, you know, uh, we're going to keep saying this a lot where I've, it's just, we would have gotten more. We would have gotten more. Cartoon but, Network decided no. It's that Cartoon, Cartoon Network said no. Fuck you, Cartoon Network. So the KO trap. It's KO trap. This is a fucked up episode. Venomous makes KO thinks his friends are dead and vice versa. Oh, wait, that, yeah. The goo clones. God, I fucking hate the goo clones. It's fucked up, man. I remember seeing a post about this episode that was like, in this week's episode, KO gets mentally scarred and the and the and the artists are horny about it while Venomous watches. Yeah. There's a lot of really horny shots of Venomous in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, they're like aggressive. Yeah. Like let's show off the teeth more, the big sharp teeth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was very um It's like, you know how when you was when certain artists draw draw well now that I'm realizing and saying it, it's funny is when they draw venom. Yeah. Like Marvel Venom. It's like, oh, clearly like the funny thing is that the best art of Venom is someone who clearly has a fetish. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they say draw what you love. Draw and... what you love. <laughs> yeah. But anyway. And it's, it's like it's it's really just to establish that Venomous is not the same as Boxman. Yeah, he's different. He's more extreme. More extreme. And then the next one is whatever, whatever happened, happened to, to Rippy Roo? Or no, you got to I want to do it. Whatever happened to Rippy Roo? <laughs> As a reference for you. Yeah. And we we get Rippy Roo. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know Rippy was a girl. Yeah, I didn't either. I thought I didn't I mean I didn't you know what you know what to say about assumptions. Yeah. They probably mentioned it at some point earlier on and it just yeah, yeah. didn't stick in your yeah. head, our heads, because mm-hmm. but uh yeah, Rippy Roo came back. Reconnected. reconnected with Carol and it's mostly more about like resolving that plot point, which is nice. Yeah. It's just funny that tra- she keeps translating for her. <laughs> yeah. You went and got your doctorate? Wow, that's amazing, Rippy. You've had such an interesting life. What? Not a lot happens in this episode. It's literally just tying up her plot point, tying up that end, and then we see KO fight a mecha mall. Yeah. It it also it does give some stuff for Carol, which is nice. Yeah. The next one is kind of a two parter, and this is like one of the ones quote it's it's important in the sense that it's about Rad getting some character development. At least yeah. in the first at least in the first part of this. It it's Planet X and then it's followed by Deep Space Vacation, which are tied up together. Yeah. Planet X is the hundredth episode of the series overall, though. Yeah, it is. Uh let's see. So, Rad goes on vacation to family reunion, and all of his family are nerds. Yep. 
At least one side of his family. Yeah, of his dad's side of the family. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> what, dude? Yeah, I know. I'm saying it for humorous effect at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Uh, but he finds some jocks, and he finds out the coach is his dad. His grandfather. Grandpappy. Grandpappy, yeah. Nerd and jock runs through me. Oh, the dirt, the nerd jock wars ended a long time ago. We all decided that we all agreed on things like videos games. <laughs> That's it. Videos games. <laughs> videos game. Yeah. Hey, boss, you want to play some videos games? Oh, thank you. No, I don't like videos games. Yeah. God. The uh, epilogue. I really like the epilogue where we saw. Um, I'm sorry, we're jumping ahead again. No, no Fink being big gremlin gamer. Yeah, being uh, MLG Pro. MLG Pro. <laughs> big esports. Big esports. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Videos game champion. Videos game champion. Uh, but this is one of the, some of the only like legit character development we get for Red. Yeah, he doesn't get a lot. He gets some better. Uh, better one later in this season though i think yeah um but that's the one after planet x is hmm that's a horny episode it's a it's a horny episode it's about a big giant lizard lady voring a planet voring a planet eats planets voring planets i listen i'm this is your field not mine it is my field my field of expertise being a being the horny of a, fur, a furry of the horny variety. Yeah, this is my field of expertise. I've while I may not be into these things, I've lived in these circles. Yeah, but Cosma is your type. She is my type. She's a big lizard lady to com- turn giant and be buff. Yeah, she's, she's my type. That's kind of where it stops. <laughs> uh. So yeah. Uh, anyway, I just I just wanted to make just mention that just get it out of the way because it's yeah the very skinny obvious. of the episode. Sorry, uh, the, the skinny of the episode is Enid and Rad are lonely. They miss uh, they miss Rad. Ko and Ko and Enid. Ko and Enid got <laughs> Ko and Enid are lonely and miss Rad. So Mister Gar gives uh, Enid his old space bike and tells him to go on a vacation. And then they find Cosmo. And she eats Planet X. Yep. And she's turned giant now. Yeah. Well, she changes her size. She can shift her mass. Yeah. But then everyone on Planet X started uh, drinking soda and burping. And so Cosmo coughed up them. There's a lot to unpack, and I'm. I just. Again, I've said it already. It's horny. Yeah. Whether intentionally or not, it is. And then she's tiny. And then she's tiny, which is a whole other fetish. God almighty! Oh, I hate. I hate <laughs> All right, I'm good. I'm done. I'm done. No, I'm done. It's not you. It's I hate fetishes. Let's talk about something that no one has has fetishized. Let's let's talk about something. <laughs> Yes, my good pure son, <laughs> who no one would dare uh, be horny for. Uh, uh, oh, 
God. Wrinkle my ire. Oh, gosh. Uh... <laughs> oh, I've hurt myself. Oh, I. Okay. Love I'll... and hate Sonic at the I'll... same time. All jokes aside, I love Sonic the Hedgehog. Same. Same. Unironically. The games have never been quite something I've enjoyed, mm-hmm. uh, with a couple exceptions. Yeah. Uh, but a, I've I'm, always loved the character, and I like watching people play the games. That's me. That's me. I love the character. I like Sonic for the characters, which is why I like the comics. Yeah, I, I really, I really like Sally Acorn and all of them. And I've heard, I've only heard good things about the new one. I, oh, the new comic from like a few years ago. The IDW ones. Yeah, those are pretty damn good. I, yeah, I, I read a couple read, of them. I need to read them. They look good. Yeah. Um, my icon on Tumblr is a uh is a, a shot of Blaze from those comics because Blaze yeah. is Blaze is my favorite Sonic character. I think Knuckles is mine. Mm, unlike Sonic, he doesn't chuckle. Yeah, specifically Sonic Boom Knuckles. All right. I enjoy a big dumb idiot. It's fine. A himbo. Am I wrong? You ain't wrong. Yep. Okay. Just don't like the word for some reason. Okay. Uh, This whole episode is obviously like, it's like, yeah, we love Sonic, but this is a reference to a lot of Sonic stuff, mainly the Sonic Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. Yeah. Fucking, what's his name? The Red Robot just had it. Oh, Daryl? Daryl makes a fucking reference to Scratch and Grounder. We disguised ourselves as a two-dimensional image! Ha ha ha! And, of, and I mean, it's all, and of course, we've mentioned that Boxman is just supposed to be Robotnik. Yeah, it's... Voiced by Jim Cummings. Yeah. I'll get that hedgehog! Yeah. And we get a Sonic Says at the end of this. Yeah, it's a pretty good one, too. Yeah, it is. But, you know, that, that episode's not important. It's just fun. Yeah, it's just an excuse to have Sonic in the world of OKKO. OK mentioned- the next episode, though. Sorry. The big reveal. Yeah. We went. We mentioned this already, but this is where KO finds out that not only Laser Blast is dad, but that Laser Blast is venomous. Yeah. And Carol also finds that bit out. Yeah, and I feel like this would have give, been given a little more. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, how do how do I put it? Narrative weight. If they didn't have to rush it, so they made it. They sort of joked around with it a little, which is fine. Yeah, um, I actually really liked how they did it. Oh yeah, I did too. It's, it's um, not a knock against it, but I yeah, feel like it would have been done differently. Have yeah, you know. and I bet the way they would have done it would have been also really good. It would have been. I am your father. Wait, I thought we were gonna do this for. We mentioned this. Are we're gonna do? We're gonna drag this out for a whole nother season. No. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then they'd make a joke about like, hmm, how about we hang out on weekends? <laughs> uh, and then the next episode is the other episode that Rad has a lot of development in. Yeah. It. He sees Ko uh, Radical Rescue. 
Yeah. Uh, Red sees KO like taking on some of like the the dumb toxic masculinity macho bullshit. That, macho chauvinism. Yeah, that Red kind of puts on around make a football baby and bell beefer. Yep. Uh, the facade he puts yeah. on. Yeah, and he tries to you know hide his you know his love of cute things like kittens. Mm-hmm. But then he needs to get Ko's help and needs to convince Ko to drop the act, and he does right away. Yeah, because Ko is good and pure. Ko is pure. <laughs> and, and we get the a, a giant commentary on people like giant big big, big football baby and Bell Beaver who are, you know, it's like you're just afraid of things that are different. Yeah. You know, that just like t- that really toxic masculinity. Yeah. It, it It's a good commentary. It's a good lesson to put out there. Mm-hmm. Have me getting a commentary on toxic masculinity is very, especially with Rad, because like he said, he said that it, it's, it, it really is a good insight into character because it's like, I let them affect my life. You shouldn't let me do the same to you. Yeah. Which is really good and probably the best character development Rad ever gets. Yeah. Uh yeah, that's probably the best. Yeah. Which, it's a shame that he doesn't get more than he it's does. A shame he, it's a shame he doesn't get more, but this is really good. And again, we would we say it again, we would have gotten more. Yeah. Moving next on. Is the next one is this is where we we mentioned this before. This is when we revealed that shadowy figure is venomous. Shocker, yeah, shocking no one, but shocking me was the fact that venomous wasn't even aware that shadowy existed. Yeah, I think this is another one that's good. F- it, it's good on uh, Fink's development. It is. Uh, very, very much is. Yeah, I also I really like seeing. Fink and KO team up. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Like if I know Fink would never be a hero because it's not in her nature. No, she's too much of a gremlin. Yeah. Um, but I'd really love to see the team up of KO, Dendi and Fink. Yeah. I, I'm sure we would have gotten that episode. Yeah. Man. (sighs) Yeah, this is always the thing with shows like this that get canceled before their time. Yeah. There's so much that could have happened, but we'll never get it. To But I've mentioned before, I'm glad that they knew the show was getting canceled before. Yes. Because yeah. it would have been so much more painful otherwise. I don't think I can handle another Thundercats. I don't think I can handle another Green Lantern, the animated series. Or Symbionic Titan. <laughs> yeah. Can't handle it, man. Too Can't painful. take it. Too painful. But um, next one is about Dendi. Mainly. Yeah. You're a it's good a- friend, KO. You're a good friend, KO, which is about Dendi figuring out she doesn't need validation from anyone except for KO. Which is yeah. very cute. Yeah. It's just sort of, like, you know, 
the end of her character arc kind of. I, I feel like a lot of the times the lesson is you don't need validation from anyone. Mm-hmm. But I think like in practicality, you want validation from your friends. Yeah. And it's a good lesson to teach that like validation from your friends is the is all is all you need. You don't need anybody else's validation. Yeah. If you want it, you know? Yeah. Which is a good lesson. Yes. Also we get to see Dendi has her little kappa pond on her head now. Yeah. Which is why she was wearing the beret because she was kind of ashamed of it, which is it's very cute. Yeah. Next one is Red Action 3, Grudgement Day. Day. Which is mostly just about Rad and Red Action and their it, relationship. It's about tying up the loose end of Red Action was a jerkwad. Yeah, it was a jerkwad, and Rad was like, yeah, she was kind of a jerk. We're not going to address that. And it's like, yeah, she was kind of a jerk. You actually make a good point. That's a fair point. Yeah. We never addressed it, and then they did. Yeah. I love that they hint they tried to make a joke about like like oh is Rad jealous? Like, no, not really. He's just mad that she he hurt KO and he was he was mad about it. He just he just wouldn't want to mention it. Yeah. Which is which is a fun thing to it, do. It, it's a it's a good switch around. It is. Because I was, mm-hmm. the first time I watched it, I was completely expecting, oh, it's yeah exactly what they were going for and jealous yeah which would have worked if it was more about like not jealous about the romantic guys but more of like you know like i was i was your best friend that you hung out with all which would have worked honestly yeah it would have oh man you know what would have man this is another thing that i we would have gotten probably but an episode with red enid and elodie that would have been fun too. It would have been. I feel like we would have gotten it too. Ina's current best friend and her childhood best friend. And Elodie and Rad know each other. Yeah, like <sighs> they went to middle school together. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of stuff that we could have gotten, but <sighs> Yeah. Anyway. Here's hoping for a comic series. Here's hoping for a comic series. Which, honestly. We might get. They did we a uh, regular show comic after it closed down. They did, which takes yeah. place years after the show. I read the comic without having seen most of regular show, and I really liked it. Yeah, we'll get to that eventually at yeah. some point, somehow. Next up, Carl. Carl. Hmm. The this, is also kind of, this is also a kind of fucked up episode. Yeah. Oh, there was one little joke that I remembered from the uh, Shadowy, where they find out about Shadowy, which I really thought was fucking funny. Was when they go to see Foxtail about the Glorbs. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's my, like, why did you bring Professor Venomous in his rat thing here? Oh, he's my dad. Oh, yeah. Bye, Sugar Cube. Wait, his dad. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing I really would have liked to have. I would have God, I really want to see that generation interact more. Yeah. I feel like we might have gotten an episode about that too. Yeah. There's so much we would have gotten. God, we we can't keep doing this. No. No, I think it's important that we do. Yeah. Because I know. 
anyway, the episode ends up with uh, TKO taking over. Yeah, he gets out of the subconscious, and he faces off against Venomous. Because Venomous in the previous episode of the Shadowy thing, like, I'm going to get rid of Shadowy, but he didn't. In fact, they came to an understanding. Yeah. And became Shadowy Venomous. Which is and which is which TKO finds out about, and then they, you know, start going on a rampage, which leads into the next episode, which is a three-parter, yeah, four-parter. Four it leads into uh, Dendi's video channel, which is uh, there's a little bit of a time skip because TKO takes over, and then somewhere along the way, he teams up with Shadowy Venomous. Yep. And now they're just Destroying laying everything. waste. Yeah. Laying waste. Yeah. I get it. That's a reference yeah, for you. Yeah. Uh, Lord Boxman has been kicked down. He abandons his box, his bots in a box by the bodega. Yep, like a bunch of, of like a bunch of kittens. Yep. And Dendi finds them and gets them to uh, you know fill in for the heroes. And they fuse together, Voltron style. Why didn't we do this before? <laughs> they ask. <laughs> Why didn't we think of this before? They didn't have Dendi. They didn't have Dendi to teach them that they care about each other. Yeah. I kind of hate that the robots went back to evil after everything was sorted. Yeah, but it's one of those things where it's like it's a status quo. For certain status quo, but also it's more of a Team Rocket friendly thing. You know? Yeah, I guess. It's It's not really like, you know. Again, it's like the Boxman thing where it's like it's petty villainy. It's just yeah. there's a like a we're a, I'm a villain, you're a hero, and it's back and forth, you know, like Boxman talked about. I prefer yeah. that over that of the, this all out destruction type villainy. Yeah. You know? I, I guess. Yeah. Okay. It's like the a meta commentary. Yeah. But any and then so, the next the next one is let's fight. To the end, which is epic eighteen and nineteen, or one ten and one eleven, the two a two a actual two parter, which is yeah. There's a lot that happens. Yeah, uh, let let's just do a brief summary. Uh, Palcard Co, Palco, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're gonna hold a power tournament because the server's been destroyed and they need to reset the power levels. The power levels never really made sense. Yeah. Got a uh, the tournament arc. Yep. Tournament. So everybody fights everybody. And uh, Shadowy Venomous and TKO enter. Ratnina enter. And... It's part of Shadowy Venomous's plan to basically... It has they, Apparently the winner gets a prize from the president of the universe and it's about Shadowy's thing to uh you know ultimate power yeah like i want ultimate power from the president of the universe yeah i just now realized feels like a subtle reference to king of the cosmos yeah uh do you know what he's actually from though what secret fortress mount all secret mountain fortress whatever that show is oh really he's from that show ian jones cordry worked on it Huh. He's one of the animators on that show and just huh. loved that character and talked to, to the creators about including him as a character in the show. Huh. I didn't know Secret that. Fortress Mount Awesome. I think it's Secret Fortress Mount Awesome. 
Whatever. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's a show I've never seen. I saw maybe one episode of it. I know of it. I know of it. I just wasn't. I'd heard of it, but I wasn't really watching TV at that time. I I was busy playing Skyrim. (laughs) I have no. I have no desire to watch it. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I might check it out at some point. But again, it feels like a the king of all cosmos yeah it, it's like king of all cosmos meets like shaft Disco stew yeah or shaft yeah shaft yeah but not black because he's orange he's dark skinned he's, he's got a spray tan is what he's got he a is. spray tan yeah and a but, anyway, but anyway yeah and this it's up to Rad and Enid to stop TKO from the tournament. And then we get Turbo Enid and Turbo Rad. Yeah. Which are awesome designs. I love Turbo Enid. I love, I love Turbo design. Rad. God. They're just both really good designs. And holy shit, the animation in that shot, that, that bit of them fighting TKO is oh, some of the best in the whole show. Like butter. Mmm, delicious. Somehow TKO still beats them, though, which is wild. Well, yeah, because uh, the Glorbs, they're, yeah. they're, they're not natural turbo. It's That's artificial true. turbo. Yeah, and also TKO is natural. Yeah. <coughs> you can channel it naturally. Yeah, it, it's something in them. These are drawn out. Yeah. They've resolved these issues within themselves already. Yeah, it's true. That's a fair point. Um, and then it's also it leads up to the whole finale of God. There's so much fucking shit that happens. It's God. I don't even know where to begin with this. TKO, shadowy venomous man. Shadowy venomous reveals himself as a bigger jerk, and TKO is like. Oh, you're just using me? Fuck you. And turns Punch, on him. And punches the shadow out of him. Yeah. And then has a tantrum and starts yeah. draining everybody's powers because he's lashing out. Yeah. He thought Venomous actually cared about him because no one has ever cared about TKO. Which, and then yeah. he comes out of it and is like, what have I done? And then the president of the universe shows up. And Deus Ex Machina is everybody back to life. Yeah, well, no. TKO won the won the tournament. So he gets a wish. So he got the wish of, I wish everyone could live their best life. Yep, but I think the I really like when KO and TKO confront each other again. Yeah. And we have that moment of the, the song from his childhood, and then it's that, and it's in that moment that we, as an audience, and KO himself realize that TKO isn't some weird other demon or something inserted inside of himself, Alberto or whatever. TKO is is KO. Yeah, he's just this. He's the other side of him. And it was just about accepting himself. Yeah. And it was. It's like TKO said, like it, it's really that easy, huh? And it's like, 
I just think that's really good. Yeah, and it, in real life, it's not that easy. It's but, not that easy, but it, you know. But you know, it's a cartoon. It, it, so. it wasn't that easy. If, well, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't that easy for him, really. No. <laughs> it's just easy in after sight, in hindsight. Yeah, hindsight, it was easy, but yeah. you know, in the moment, it's not. And I just, I like that a lot. Yeah, and so that's resolved, and. KO changes based on this change in his life. You know, he's got the little fang all the time now, and I just hit my mic. I'm sorry. It's fine. You got a, he's got the little anime fang. Yeah. Which is cute. And his hair's, I think, a little more like rugged at this Scruffy. point. Yeah. Scruffy looking. Yeah. It, it's a good. It's, it's a good change. Yeah. I like it better than the. Uh, version before where it was just like a blue headband or whatever yeah and then like i'm oh, sorry no no i felt like it would have worked better if tk was perp was was uh blue well it was blue and tk and k was red and they would have been purple together but you know, yeah that's, that's neither here nor there yeah but anyway that's just you know color theory and all that but yeah and then the and final then... episode and then we get thank you for watching the show. The epilogue. We see KO feels like life's starting to move faster and faster and faster, and he's losing control. And he thinks a supervillain is taking control of it, but it's just the way time passes. And it's like this meta commentary on not only the show ending, but life and looking back on what you have. Yeah. And life moving faster as you get older and just seeing some of the things that we would have gotten and some of the episodes and just where the characters ended up. Yeah. Boxman and Venomous seem to reconcile down the road at some point. Yeah. Down the road at some point. And I noticed this in the shot where Venomous is watching Fink do her big gamer moment. He has a wedding ring on. Ooh. They got married at some point. Yep. And we did get another wedding. We got freaking um we got two weddings. <laughs> we got Carol and Mr. Gar getting married. Then we got uh fucking Nick Army and uh Joff. Joff the monk getting married. Yeah. Gay rights. Gay rights. It oh. it's a it's a nice epilogue. I wish it hadn't had to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For, for what we could have, you know, for what they were given, he did a good job. Yeah, you know, they did a good job, rather. They did the so, best they could, and they the what they did was pretty damn good. And then we get to see at the very, very end, adult KO doing the Mister Gar thing, who's literally just like scaled up KO. It's just he has big the same proportion. Yeah. Big buff KO. Yeah, it's the same proportions he had as a kid, but now adult sized. The one that the part that fucked me up was the shit with Enid and Red being together, and they're like, "Oh yeah, that's cute." And then it's like, "Wait, is that her younger self and the younger versions of her team from the future?" Yeah, there's so much to unpack with that. I can't even begin. Yeah, time's funny. I'm sure that would have been a huge plot point later. What if she's her own daughter? <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> no, 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 no. 
No, that's not it at all. A grandpa paradox scenario? She's not Fry. Ugh. Anyway, it's either neither here nor there, but yeah, we every, we get to see everybody where they are at the end. But then, and there was a bunch of stuff we got to saw that probably would have been stuff that would have happened if we'd got more of the show. Like we got to see Mister Gar returning to fu- fucking Mexico. Yeah, Mister Gar is Hispanic. Garcia, Mister Garcia, Mister. I mean, Garcia. he's a luchador. It makes sense. It makes sense, but I'm glad that they actually addressed it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's nice. It's it's a good show. It yeah. ties things up nicely. Uh, it's just again. It's a shame. Yeah. Taken before it's time. By the way, I didn't know this. I didn't know KO's full name until just now. Like his real name. What? Well, KO is short for something. It's a nickname. Well, yeah, but when did they reveal that? I don't think they ever reveal it, but it his full name is Kyo Kincaid. How do you get that? The wiki. On. Full KO parentheses full name Kyle Kincaid. What the fuck? And now you know. But people just call him KO because it's a nickname. Did I just blow your mind? Yeah. <laughs> where... No, where do they reveal that? I don't know. I mean, maybe Mr. Qu- Mr. Cordy talked about it at some point. Or maybe it's in the show notes or something. They, they must have revealed it somewhere. I guess. Maybe. Maybe it was, you know, there's a bunch of, sh- you know, there's a shot of them grading his papers. Maybe there was, you saw his full name on the paper. I don't know, something. They might have revealed it somewhere. I. This is hurting you, isn't it? I just, I, I, I want to know where that came from. That's, that's, that's what's hurting me. I mean, it, it's, I'm sh- they revealed it somewhere somehow, but I don't know. That that clearly that name clearly didn't come out of nowhere, you know. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's wrap up here. I really am sad. I'm I'm sad that this show did get canceled, but again, it could have been worse. Yeah, it it could have been way worse. Uh you can feel them struggling. Like we gotta, we gotta, just, we gotta resolve as many of these plot points as we possibly can in the shortest amount of time possible. Yeah, it's jeez, it sucks, but you know, I stand by. This is one of my two favorite cartoons from the last decade. Yeah, I can see why. It, it's it's a tie between this and uh, Shira. No, uh, Gravity Falls. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. The last decade, it was like Avatar. Avatar was the previous decade. That's what I meant, last decade. That's what I said. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. It's fine. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I have any closing thoughts. Because this is my first time seeing this whole... It it's a beautiful send up to things we grew up with. Yeah, it is. That Mr. Cor- Mr. that Ian Jones Cordy grew up with. Yeah. But it's still I previously said something about referential humor, how I think the show works better with the context of the things that inspired it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I think it works beautifully without the context, too. I just don't think it was properly appreciated. I feel like this is a show that people will look back on and be like, yeah, why why did that show get canceled? I feel like people, you know? Yeah. And... Again, it's a shame, but this is not a new thing, you know. We've no. said so, we've said so many other shows canceled for their time. Teen Titans, Teen Titans. Um, Teen, Teen Titans. That that's not one of the ones I meant. Uh, no. Symbiotic Titan, Motor City, Motor City, Green Lantern, Mega XLR, Green Lantern the animated series. Haven't watched that, but yeah. It's really good. It was worked on by Bruce Tim, and they canceled it. Yeah, I, I, by all accounts, I've heard it's good. I, I just never interested me. Hmm. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe we might. I've heard rumors that Timbaland Titan might be coming back on Netflix. Maybe possibly. Well, it, it's on Netflix right now. Yeah, but, but like, I don't know about new episodes. Uh, I'm not going to hold my breath, but... Same. I, I'm still waiting to see if that uh, Hulu Animaniacs series happens. Young Justice came back, so anything's possible, I guess. Yeah, but that came back on a proprietary platform. I mean, yeah, but, like, if that can happen... You know, I'm not going to say it can't happen, but I'm not going to hold my Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's time for us to say goodbye, plug, and maybe tease what we're going to be talking about next time. Yeah. Um. Well, why don't you do your plugs first, and then I'll get to... Yeah, uh, show, the show's plugs and my plugs. My name is Kai. You can find me over at uh kaiju underscore emperor at uh, kaiju underscore emperor also know i'm handle millennial mothman on twitter and you could also find me on tumblr or at kaiju dash emperor on tumblr that's kaiju dash emperor uh that's my that's my shit and you can and you know you can give the plug for the art stuff at the podcast Okay, well, you should also plug your other podcast. Oh, yeah, I have another podcast on my Tumblr. It's more of a side project for fun, but 
Uh, it's called the Goody Goody Cast, which is about the Fate series, Fate franchise, whatever you want to call it. And we posted our 16th episode not that long ago. And we're talking about some New Year stuff, mainly like all the stuff we're looking forward to in the uh, year, because there's a lot of stuff happening in Fate is coming out this year. And you can find that over on my Tumblr at kaiju m Alrighty. Uh, for me, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, username at J-I-B-B-L-Y J-I-B-B-L-Y That's at Ghibli Ghibli. Uh, that's all I've really got uh, for myself. I don't have any other projects. I've, I've been thinking about maybe trying to stream, but mm-hmm. it's only so many hours in a day. Yeah, maybe when this show gets a Patreon, that might be a Patreon award. Yeah, it's something to think about. Something um, to think about, but you yeah. know, we'll get there when we get there. Car side bridge when we get to it. Anyway. Yeah, uh, but basically, uh, what's more important is please rate the show on iTunes. Yes, please. Uh, five stars will really help us. Um, maybe we'll get sponsors. Yeah, that that would be phenomenal. Uh, you can also find us on Stitcher. Uh, please try to... I, I don't know if Stitcher has a ratings thing, but try to rate us there too, if possible. And uh, we have an RSS. by the time this goes up, we might be on Spotify as well. I don't know. Yeah, uh, we also have an RSS feed. Well, yeah, uh, the RSS feed, but I mean, that's really just how you find us through... I know, but iTunes and stuff. But uh, the RSS feed, if you'll give me a second, is uh, hold on, real quick. <sighs> okay, uh, just find, just go to iTunes. The RSS feed, you don't. I'll plug that another time. Yeah. Uh, but we have an email. If you would like to email suggestions or questions or comments, uh, you can email us at uh, acmepodcastsinc at gmail.com. What is that, Kai? That's acmepodcastsinc at gmail.com. Thank you very much. You can also find the uh, show at its Twitter at, uh, I think it's at podcastsinc. Yeah, at podcastsinc. Yeah, okay. Um, I believe so. I don't know how it ended up with that, but it did. Well, uh, we're, we're here now. Yeah. So that's our show. That's our show. That's our plugs. And... Uh, Do we want to tease what we might be talking about next? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, following this statement will be a clip that will tease what we'll be talking about next time, where we'll be joined with a uh, a good friend of Kai's and a new friend of mine, uh, who's simply KP. Yeah. We uh, will have our first guest. Woo! Yes. It'll be interesting. And their name is also a bit of a tease for what we'll be seeing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, until then, stay good. Drink your water. Take a shower. Stay gold, pony boy.
Yeah. I'll see you all next time. Arriva there. Yeah, hey, I could not come up with a promo. Uh, you know, sometimes you just you gotta work with what they give you, and I, I couldn't come up with anything that wouldn't have been just not worth the effort. So, so you know, the next episode's gonna be the first season of Kim Possible and the first season of Carmen Sandiego. Sorry, guys. Uh, I mean, I'm not sorry for that choice. I'm just sorry for not having a funny promo. I, I thought I had something, but I couldn't find the audio. I, I, I just here's a little behind, uh, a little inside baseball. Usually, what I do is I go on YouTube and I just I search for clips until I find something that grabs me. That I'm like, okay, okay, I can do something with that, and then I find something from the other show that'll work with it, and I mix them together, uh, mix and match, play and play, whatever you know. Um, Sometimes, uh, sometimes something just comes to me in the middle of watching the show. I'm just like, oh, that, that that's what I'm using. Um, I couldn't think of anything for Carmen Sandiego and Kim Possible. I, I had some ideas, but I couldn't do it without just going back through entire episodes and pulling audio from there. And that that's just not worth the hassle to me for a 10 second joke so yeah we're watching Kim Possible and Carmen Sandiego next time thank you sorry <laughs>